Good day, everybody, and welcome to the House of Mario, the South Australian Nintendo podcast that is backed by 120 Power Star Rating. I'm your host, Drew Agnew, and the doors to episode 195 are open. This week on the show, we're going to be talking about our weekend with Mario Golf Super Rush. Uh, some some news that came out, including some very exciting news about the 25th year anniversary Pokemon card collection that's going to be coming out at the end of this year, and much more. To talk all about that is not my usual co-host, Bryce DeWitt is off sick. His uh, partner brought home something, which has made him a bit wheezy. But that's okay, because here at the House of Mario, we have access to a, a phone, Sakurai's mobile phone, which he lent us himself when he came over. It was very nice of him. He lent us a brand new phone. So I'm able to ring up two very, very special people to help me get through this episode, bringing their expertise and their friendly banter to able to entertain us all. So let's jump onto Sakurai's, uh, Sakurai's phone here, and uh, I'll introduce them as well. Konnichiwa. Dairanto Smash Brothers director Sorano Sakurai desu. All right, so first up is everybody's favorite human being. It's uh, Jamie Penning. You may recognize him from the Discord community, and he's also a big fan of Donkey Kong Country. So, Jamie, welcome to the show. Thanks, Drew. Good to be here. And uh, everyone's second favourite human being is Buddy oh, Watson. Poor Buddy. <laughs> come on down. Come on down. Thank you very much, Drew. Uh, look, if I'm, I've got to be second to anybody, I'm, I'm glad it is Jamie because I feel like Jamie is the most beloved person uh, oh. in kind of our uh, in our little circles that we have on on, on Twitter and the, and the Australian podcast uh, kind of network. So uh, oh, I would definitely definitely champion that effort there. That's now, too much. That's too much. <laughs> <laughs> now, I've, uh, I'm glad you took that as graciously as you did because I didn't mean to exactly phrase it that way. I kind of meant like everyone's <laughs> other favourite human being, not the second favourite. <laughs> <laughs> there's no, there's no leaderboard or anything here. Top, but, uh, top two's fine, you know. Top two's fine. Top two's fine. Well, I mean, I would love to be in the top two. I'm like in the, the top 50 maybe. Everyone's favourite human <laughs> being. You know, who knows? Who knows? I've been. I don't. I don't think I'll be on a uh, many people's favorite one. But my mum, for sure. I'm sure she loves me very much. Um, my daddy probably thinks I'm all right. But anyway, how you boys doing? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. How's how's everything on your end? Pretty good. I'm uh, you know, recording the podcast. It's one of my favorite times of the week. Be able to sit here and uh, talk about some Nintendo with you guys, and yeah. About that. What about you, buddy? Yeah, I think my shoulders sore actually from all that uh, all that time on the on the course mm. with, uh, with Mario Golf this weekend. So uh, just resting and recouping now, and uh, hopefully get back out there as soon as possible. Yeah, my hands are a bit sore from Mario Golf this week, buddy. It's um, I don't know. It 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 kind of tests me. I've I'm really not that good at golf. Um, I don't play that many golf games, so Mario Golf uh, really. Yeah, it's a learning experience, that's for sure. That it is, but it's good fun. Yeah, I guess so. Before we get into that, guys, um, I did ask before the before the podcast if you guys cracked any drinks. Usually, Bryce and I we bring like a Bryce usually goes to the drive thru and brings up some random drink and we taste it and uh, kind of give a like a bit of a mini review. But I think we're all pretty uh, modest with our drink choices tonight. I've got a, a can of Coke. 
um, here just to sort of perk me up a bit. Uh, give me the that ASMR. caffeine. Give me that sugar. Yeah, yeah. yeah the ASMR got got the crack in there. I didn't, didn't really mean for that, but thought I better open it. Otherwise, it's going to sit here and just warm up on my desk, and I won't take any any drink at all. But uh, Jamie, you're on the water. You said. Yeah, yeah. I thought about having a coke, but then I thought mm. it might come across as a bit um gassy. So I, I I thought I might just stick to the water tonight. Yeah, yeah. No, fair enough. Because uh, you can get a bit gassy, you know. Like on the beer, the beer makes me gassy and it puts me to sleep. It's uh, really not a good combination, but for trying to record a podcast, it puts me puts me to sleep. Uh, when I have to read news stories, I'm like, duh, duh. <laughs> I just want to go and curl up on the ground and just have a nap. But, buddy, did you bring anything um, tasty to the podcast? Are you just uh, I on- debate. Mm-hmm. I debated bringing up a Bolter XPA, um, which is one of my favorite uh, alcoholic beer beverages. Yeah, but I thought I um I better better settle down uh, with the recording time that we're here, and I've got a uh, a big cup of peppermint tea. So Ooh. pretty, pretty boring. Pretty boring. Oh well, mm. fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I can't even remember the last time I had a had a drop of alcohol. It was too long ago. <laughs> too too long. Got the shakes. <laughs> All right, guys. So let's jump into it. Let's talk about Mario Golf Super Rush. So over the weekend, I've been playing the game. Um, playing the multiplayer, the, the story mode, um, and I think I've covered all of the modes in the game. Um, I've been having a lot of fun with it. Buddy, we played a few matches online um, on Saturday, um, along with oh, a few did. few other people in the House of Mario Discord. And uh, Jamie, you're yet to pick up the game, but I thought uh, if you have any questions or anything, throw them to Buddy, Buddy and I to, uh, to answer them, and you can be like the perspective of people that haven't uh, picked up the game yet. So... Yeah, I think that yeah. will work out quite well. Uh, before mm-hmm. we move on, I just have to let you guys know that uh, a code was provided by Nintendo Australia. So thank you guys very much for providing that. And um, without further ado, buddy, what do you uh, think of the game just from your first couple of days playing? First couple of days playing, uh, I think it's it's good. It's definitely good um, without being amazing or, you know, kind of groundbreaking. Um, I guess the things that it does really well are the things that you want it to do well, um, kind of like the the simple golf mechanics of, um, you know, hitting and, and, and being able to, like, do backspin and, and forward spin and your curl shots and all that kind of stuff are, um, uh, are quite good and, and, and easy enough to kind of pick up even from an arcade sense. So, um I guess without overcomplicating that, that's what you want to be the bread and butter, the, the, the gameplay part of it. So I feel like that's quite good. Um, the only other places where I feel it kind of is let down is maybe with the amount of content in it at the moment with the adventure mode and and then maybe the course selection and a few other stuff. So I definitely think it's good without being fantastic. I didn't really, you know, as much as I was looking forward to it, I didn't, I didn't have these lofty expectations as, as much as it looks like I did with some of the... Uh, um, excitement that I had around yeah. it. Um, but I, I definitely knew what this was going to be for me. And that was very similar to kind of Mario Tennis Aces experience, which is kind of maybe, you know, play it for a little bit and um, maybe move it on its way in, uh, and onto the next game in a while. But it's going to be very, the life of the game is going to be very much dependent on um, maybe the, I guess the online support with, and, and whether you have people to play with as well, since the adventure mode's so, uh, so short. So um, yeah, it, it, it's definitely, dependent on on that kind of stuff whether you're going to get your full bang for the buck from uh from day one or quite early adopting so yeah 
definitely those updates are going to make or break this game. And looking at what Camelot did with Mario Tennis, I do have um, hopes that it will live up to what that game provided as well. Like um, new characters, new courses, uh, they'll be very important to keep this game going. And I guess just my uh, initial impressions of the game, it's a lot of fun. And I've never really gotten into a golf game all that much. Um, I've never really played a Mario Golf game either. I uh, kind of ignored Mario Golf. Uh, um, what's it called? Mario Golf. Uh, Mario Golf on 3DS. It's escaping my name. Uh, World my Tour. Brain. Yeah, World Tour. Thank you, buddy. Uh, I never really played World Tour that much on 3DS, and the game um, that came out before that was uh, on GameCube in 2003. So it's been sort of a, a fair few big gaps between Mario Golf games, and they just sort of never really interested me. I just uh, said, "Oh yeah, golf game," and I'd never really thought about it. Never picked one up, but. Uh, being on Switch and actually wanting a Mario Golf experience, I was really looking forward to this game. Um, I was looking forward to maybe a tournament system where we could like sit down and um, be able to play in our own time and just like compare scores to one another. I was looking forward to having multiplayer nights. I was looking forward to like the, the new rush mode, the battle mode, all this type of thing. And um, even the uh, single player looks kind of promising, but... I remembered the uh, Mario Tennis single player also looked really promising in the lead up to that game's release. And I think Mario Tennis, uh, the, the uh, sort of the solo experience in that game is really bad. But just with this game, just like the, the story mode, I, I've played probably like four hours, I believe. Uh, I'm a, a silver uh, rank level 43 or so in the story player mode. And it's basically like you're a, a rookie golfer. You're looking to go up the ranks and become the best golfer. It's like a very basic premise. And to be honest, it's all it needs to be. Um, and going through that, you're going through different locations. You're um, playing lots of rounds of golf, mainly consisting of the, the speed golf mode. And I think it's good enough. I wasn't expecting anything like groundbreaking from it, but I think it's good enough for what it needs to be. And I really do like that instead of just like a level select system that was in uh, Mario Tennis, you're actually able to uh, move around the environment. It gives you like a really great sense of place, which I think was missing from Mario uh, Tennis. We were actually able to explore towns, talk to characters, uh, do tutorials by going to certain locations and they teach you certain things. And I found that really useful as a newcomer to Mario Golf. Uh, I Because um, I, I initially just jumped into it. I was, got, I was playing with... Uh, um, members of the Play Some Video Games network, uh, Donnie Reese over at Nintendo Shack. He's really into Mario Golf and uh, saw that I was streaming on Twitch. So the very first thing I did was jump onto a, a game with them. And I didn't do any of the tutorials. I didn't know what was going on. And I got like a score of like plus 20. I had no idea what I'm doing. Like I'm bad at, I'm bad at golf <laughs> games as it is, let alone not knowing what to do. Like I didn't know how to... Uh, spin the ball, didn't, yeah, just like lots of mechanics in there, which I didn't know how to do. Even though the game is pretty basic, there's it's not like, it's not rocket science or anything, but I was just really, <laughs> really bad. But yeah, I think the story mode is um, is okay. I, like if, if anyone's going in there buying it for the story mode, I'll definitely say no, but it is, a, it is sort of a nice sort of um, way to move through some solo golf matches. Instead of just you know queuing up a match and playing it that way, but um, would you agree with that, buddy, or were you expecting a bit more from the single player side of things? 
probably expecting a bit more, especially with the lack of courses. There's only like six courses in the game, and there's the kind of corresponding kind of towns in each part of the game where one course is. Mm. And even though you play like you know a, a front nine or a back nine or the whole eighteen um, and qualify and come back the next day, I, I kind of liked those little things. But I just felt like there it was just a town and 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 a means to just get to the course anyway. And it was cool to walk around the town, but I feel like talking to a lot of the characters, um, there was no real benefit or like consequences of doing that, like it, it prompting you to keep exploring and talking to different characters and everything. There were the practice ones where you could, you know, try and hit it into the, you know, five shots to hit it into the zones to get certain points. And if you get to that, you get to level up. So I found those really, really quite good. And especially you can grind and, and um, upgrade character there. But uh, I still feel that, yeah, it's kind of a bit bare bones, just like your, um, or dry bones, um, just like <laughs> your kind of Mario Tennis Aces campaign. I feel like it's kind of, they went the, you know, um, copy and then shift F7 and, and pasted it, you know, paste it over and just made, try to make it look different. Um, I don't play Pokemon games, but uh, I know a few people have got that vibe, like, oh, it's walking around the towns, collecting the badges. So even though no, I haven't played that, I kind of picked up on that vibe. You've got to get the badge before you get to the next part of the town. Mm. But I feel like I'm just going straight to the courses. Like, even now I'm just skipping the practices because I've, I've kind of played enough and I'll just upgrade in that. So um, it's not wowing me. I feel like I've already kind of lost my attention like I'm halfway through and I just want to keep getting to the end <laughs> yeah. now instead of practicing or talking to all the characters. And there's so many characters to talk to, I don't feel like I'm really getting a lot out of exploring or talking to them. So, Yeah, no, I um, I definitely agree with that side of things. I'm just looking to finish it and uh, basically never touch the story mode again. But um, I think like adding like a location where you can walk around and talk to things, I think it does add a lot to a game, just having a sense of place. I think like Splatoon mm. 2, that did it really well. Even though some people might be like, it's annoying to have to like run up to the lobby to start an online match. I think just having that little location, it's only like, it's a very small location, but it's got plenty of characters to talk to. And when you actually want to go to a certain shop or something, you physically go to that shop. And I feel like that adds a lot to building the world. Because a game like ARMS that came out in 2017, just before Splatoon, that game had a lot of lore to it. Nintendo obviously put a lot of effort into writing that um, and getting it to where it needs to be with all the characters and the world setting and all that. But all it was at the end of the day was a bunch of menus that you chose from to do multiplayer, online play, uh, a couple of like party modes and stuff like that. And that's all it was. But if ARMS took that sort of idea that Splatoon did and gave you a, a place to explore to maybe understand what the world of ARMS was about apart from just doing matches. I think that would have added a lot to that game. And I feel like as basic as it is for Mario Tennis, because don't get me wrong, it is very basic. The locations are, I don't know. I think like a, a school student could have made some of them, you know? They're very, <laughs> very... Wow. Yeah, like obviously maybe not that extreme. Yeah, yeah I know what you mean. But, um, you know, they're, they're very basic, especially for a second-party Nintendo game that you're paying $80 for, but... I think it does go that extra mile just to um, get you involved in the world of the Mushroom Kingdom uh, golf world. But yep. yeah, I do appreciate but that. Is, but yeah, buddy, is it is it? You mentioned that it was uh, like arcadey sort of style. Is it quite easy to pick up and put down? Say if you pick it up, play for fifteen minutes, put it back down again. Does it feel easy to pick up and put down? 
Um, control wise, yes, because um, unlike some other game, uh, golf games, like your, I guess your more simulation, like your PGAs or your even your everybody's golf, um, which is another arcade title. When you're like doing your power, you only set the power. You don't have to be pinpoint accurate on the way back down. It's just whatever power you hit is what you hit. So I feel like there's less margin for error. So you could, you know, not play this game for a, a decent period of time and come back and and. I guess be able to pick it up and play. Maybe maybe forget a little bit of the uh, the extra special buttons, but not not to the point where you're going to help you having this like car crash types performance or whatever. So, yeah, yeah. in that regard, I th- I think so. Yeah, so it'd be easy to yeah put it down for a few months, come back, and you could still have the exact same experience that you had yep. when you yep. first started playing it. You mentioned that it's a bit quite light on content. What do you want to see from the updates that will actually? Uh, enhance the experience when it comes to um, both the single player and the multiplayer. Um, well, for me, first the the one thing like online it, that kept me going in Mario Tennis Aces was tournament. Um, so even though you're playing, uh, you know, randoms, you have your first round, second round, third round, and you know when you beat someone in the first round, you're going to play someone in the second round that's also to the second round, even though it's just a random, and you all could be a part of your own type type of competition so it got harder as it went through it's kind of playing ranked play so i'd like to see something like that to kind of keep you invested instead of just maybe pairing up to random people which i actually haven't tried to do i've only ever played <laughs> played with um drew bryce and, and wacko jackie the other night so I, I don't really know how that is but i know that i didn't really see anything like that option there like a tournament or something so um maybe they could have that online and offline um as like a it gives some life to it. So uh, what about you, Drew? Is there something that you, sticks out to you? I mean, like there's there's a lot of sort of obvious admissions from the game, which I, I really do wish were there, uh, especially like this is my f- first Mario Golf game. And just looking back at the 3DS game, I'm like there, there was like a lot more content in that game, just from challenges to the tournament mode and just like all of this stuff that made that game last a long time. And, uh, like for for this game, I think it's great. Like we had so I had a, personally, I had so much fun playing the game with three other people with you guys the other night, and um, I just don't know how long that's going to last for. Just in a in a couple of weeks, in a month, in two weeks, are we going to be able to find people, um, friends of ours, to jump into this Discord and be able to play it? I'm not sure. So without that, I'm I'm a little bit worried because I, I really was going into this game just hoping for leaderboards and stuff like that, where it's just just uh, do your best score, see if you can uh, beat your friends, but you don't have to have that time commitment to all link up at the same time. Because like I don't do a whole lot of online gaming for that reason. Uh, actually, one of my friends, Seamus, we've been meaning to play Knockout City for like a month or, or a month or two, and every single night it's like, Oh, sorry, I can't make it. Oh, sorry, this happened or whatever. And you know, life's life stuff happens, but uh, it's just sort of why I don't do a whole lot of online gaming necessarily. But I do wish that stuff was there to, to help the online sort of thrive more if, um, when the game dies out a bit more, but yeah, it's a, it is really fun of what we played though. But, um, let's talk about some of the modes that are in this game, apart from a solo, because where the game really shines is this sort of online game mode. So we've got normal golf, which is what you'd probably expect from the game, where you're just taking turns. Uh, in this game, they do introduce a feature which is very handy, where you can all take your turns at the same time. Not necessarily for the the, the um, speed golf 
um, where you've actually got to do the running, but you just take your turn when everyone else is taking their turn. Uh, I was watching. Well, quicken things up. Yeah, yeah. It quickens yeah. stuff up a lot. I think it takes about, I haven't timed it, but just off a guess, I think an 18-hole match will take about half an hour, 40 minutes or so. Um, that's at a Quite rough. Quite reasonable. Yeah, that's at, mm. that's at a rough guess. I've never actually timed um, a match, but it doesn't feel too long. It feels like a nice amount of time to take. Um, but I was talking to a friend. I think they might have forgotten to turn that feature on when you set up the lobby because it is automatically on uh, take your turn. And it took like two two hours to do a eight-hole golf match, which is uh, like a lot more than if you um, have that turned off. So I definitely recommend it just all taken at the same time because unless you really want to draw it out and you know have a have a good night of just one match, I guess. I guess if you want to watch each other and – um, engage in banter when they're taking the shot and all that. That could be a lot of fun too. But if you want to sort of, you know, get the results, get it over and done with, definitely recommend turning that on. But yeah, I think the normal golf mode is what people would expect from maybe previous Mario golf games and other golf games um, in the industry. Uh, it's pretty great. Um, but all the marketing around this game has basically been around the speed golf uh, version, whereas you take your turn and the aim of the game is to try and get your ball in the hole as quick as possible. It's not all based on time though. There are some sort of rule sets you can choose, but it's uh, basically a combination of uh, the least amount of hits, the uh, time you took to get it there and um, other sort of bonuses along the way. But uh, I found this match or this uh, mode, sorry, really, really fun. Um I, I was having a blast, just like all the sort of uh, banter and that as you're running to the other hole, using power-ups, using your special abilities. I thought it was great. Uh, I've only We've only basically played a night of um, speed golf, but um, in my experience, I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, what, what did you think of our sort of uh, gameplay together, buddy? Yeah, I thought it was awesome. Um, I've played the speed golf in the golf adventure mode as well, and it is nowhere near as fun um, playing against the AI. And it's almost actually frustrating. So I can't actually imagine playing this against the AI, um, yeah. which was annoying. But I was surprised at how much fun I had um, when we played speed golf because I think we played like four rounds of 18 holes normal, and then we did one speed golf and a lot of battle golf and yeah i was like oh here we go the one speed golf well, this could be anything but yeah it was it was super <laughs> enjoyable and um it didn't like it rewarded the speed part of it um and getting it in in the least amount of shots as well added added you know if at added time if you took one shot more than like par or something so um it was a good like balance of it and and playing with four other people you know three other people was just a lot of fun yeah yeah definitely and i just i <laughs> I wasn't expecting to like this uh, this mode as much as I've, like I thought it was. Like, I've never been a golf guy, so I guess having more of a party orientated mode is kind of up my alley in some ways. I know some people that are more into like the golf side of things, like oh yeah, this uh, silly Mario Party version of golf, you know, get it out of here. But I think if you're just like a real casual sort of maybe golf fan or even someone like myself who's never really been into golf games, I think this would be just sort of a, a great mode to play. I thought it was I thought it was really great. I don't know uh, how long it will take us to get sick of it. There's only six courses in the whole game, so I'm not sure if it will get maybe a bit boring after a while just playing on them. But if they um, do keep content coming regularly with more courses and that, you know, that, that won't be a problem necessarily. But um, do you have any questions about speed golf, Jamie? So, do you set like the number of holes as your for 
for Svegog, so I'm presuming that you could do like you could do six, nine, or eighteen or something like that. Yeah, you can ch- you can choose from three to eighteen, so you can yeah do as many or yeah as least as you want, which is which is good because if you don't want a, a whole eighteen <laughs> whole game, you don't have to. Thankfully, <laughs> yeah. Well, it sounds like it's at least got those options for that particular mode, and I have heard it compared to the mechanics with like the super shots and that and like the speed boosts that you get to sort of that Mario Party sort of style where you could sort of get close to the hole, something would happen, and then suddenly you're miles away from it. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, definitely that happened. Yeah. Oh, man. That, that there, there were some great moments as well. Like you do like an excellent shot, you get on the green, you're right next to the flag. You're like, oh, oh thank God I've... Like, especially in my case, I'm like, oh, my God, I might get it in two shots. Go, Drew. And all of a sudden you see like this, this like uh, area just expand and you just basically you can see where uh, someone's special ability is going to land. And when it, you're like, oh, no, 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 no. You know, Buddy's fired off his bloody Yoshi egg or something like that. And like you're just like rushing to get that hole, <laughs> that hole in one or whatever. So you don't get affected by the impact of the shot. And that added to some really great moments as well. It's you know, similar to when a blue shell's coming in Mario Kart, you're in first place, you're about to win, but it's, oh no, you can see that it's launched in the in the mini map and you've got nothing to fight it off. And it uh, it really did have that sort of fun arcade feeling that um, you know, Mario Kart sort of uh, has encouraged throughout the years. So uh, yeah, I think uh, speed golf was really great. Um it, it was obviously sort of the main uh focus when developing this game it seemed, yeah it mm. seemed to be the, the thing that they were definitely pushing with the with the advertising for this game yeah yep. definitely because like compared to other murray golf games in you don't run on the actual course you don't um like do these things that speed golf has introduced so the courses are really they really keep in mind that you can run wherever you, you want you can sort of take a couple of different directions to get to each hole. So there's not just like a path. There's like a, there might be even like a, be a real skinny shortcut that you can risk it and try to get there a bit quicker. So there's like a, there's a lot of, there's a lot to it being speed, speed golf. So yeah, I really enjoy that. It's a bit, it's a bit more improved on like the, I can think of the 64 version where it was basic speed golf was just on a timer. You just had to do things, uh, do a round of golf as fast as you can. And that was it. Whereas mm. now when, with Super Rush, you've got all your power-ups, you've got your, your various super shots, and, it, yeah, it just turned – it's a lot more content within that mode to, you know, flesh it out and, um, yeah, make it make it a lot more party-focused than just standard, you know, play your shot, get in the hole, keep going to the next hole. Yeah, definitely, yep. and that, that could be a good or a bad thing depending on who you are, but – uh, I I had a lot of fun with it, so I'm I'm happy enough with it. Mm. I'm definitely a purist when it comes to golf games, and I was like, oh, I'm not going to play much of this um speed golf mode. But after playing that the other night, I was like, I'd be probably more inclined to play that with a group of people more than just the standard golf because of, of the chaos and how fun it was. Yeah, well that that's um that's good to hear. Hopefully, you will hold on to it so we can play some more golf. But I'll <laughs> I'll, I'll ask you about that uh, at the end. Um, <laughs> All right, so actually, before we move on from, from speed golf, in the in the actual solo uh, version of the game where you play throughout the story mode, um, they do sort of play on speed golf with a a mode called uh, cross country golf, 
And basically it's very much the same, but you're by yourself and you've got to complete a set amount of holes in a certain amount of time and a certain amount of shots as well. And I think this is one of the weaker parts of the games, um, mainly because like, think about it, on a natural golf course, you hit the ball and you've got to go and walk after it. And that's exactly what you have to do in this mode. You're just like running after your own ball, but you're not running against anyone. You're not um, doing anything that's actually fun. It's just, it just adds a lot more sort of work to the actual game. So um, it's only like a little part of the story mode. It's about an hour in when you'd have to do the cross country golf. So it's one of those things where you just have to get through it to get to the actual, sp- yeah, um, other, uh, yeah, the other fun, I guess, parts of the, the story mode. And uh, I was talking to Bryce about it too. I was actually up to this part and he was a little bit ahead of me. I'm like, you know what? This this cross cross country golf really sucks. He's like, yeah, nah, it, it does. But, you know, you don't have to do it again. So just to let people out there who haven't uh, gotten to that bit yet. Awesome. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Go through the pain to get to the rest of it. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I guess they were like, oh, no, we, we want to include speed golf, but we want to do it in this other way as well, but I don't think it works in a, just a, a solo setting. But anyway, um, let's talk about uh, battle golf. So this was a brand new mode introduced in this game as well, sort of plays off the speed golf, but it's a little, it's a little bit more like, um, like a Mario Kart battle mode or something. The whole idea of the game is to get three holes um, to be claimed the winner before the other players. There's uh, nine holes in total. And when that hole is taken, it disappears. So if you get it just before your opponent, the, your opponent will um, be very grumpy because that hole is no longer available. And we played this for a little bit um, the other night, buddy. And I thought it was a lot of fun, but it's very bare bones compared to yeah. um, your more regular golf modes in this game, including speed golf and um, all of that. I thought, it was a, I thought it was great, but there's only four courses uh, in total and they kind of just vary up... Um, item placement and uh, sort of things that get in the way. But apart from that, they look very similar and there's not too much sort of uh, making them unique to one another. Um, and Yeah, it, was, yeah. it, it wasn't bad, but yeah, mm. I definitely agree with all, all, all of that. Um, one thing they really could have done to change it up is maybe because there's nine nine things, everyone starts at the same point and it feels like, oh, if you miss the first one, you know, someone could just get on a roll and keep going like in you know, forward one direction. I reckon everyone should start in one corner of the map like or near a thing. So they're fighting over the second hole mm. type thing. I don't know. Yeah, that definitely would help a lot too. And I think just like if they introduce some more custom rules as well. So why it fell a little bit short for me is it doesn't take very long for each player to be able to get three holes. And if they maybe allowed you to have the rule. So it's the first person to 10 holes or however many holes you want. I think that would go a long way as well. Um, just so the game lasts a bit longer. There's a bit more tension there because one of the biggest problems I have with Mario Kart battle mode at the moment is that it's always timed. So the, the, the games never last as long as you want them to, because we all have memories of playing of block fort and Mario Kart 64 where, Oh, so good. Yeah. It'd be like the last two people and it'd be like a big standoff and you can draw that game out for as long as you want, or you can go in for the kill straight away. And you, maybe the other p- person has a, a red shell at ready to go and get you and you've buggered up. There's like a lot of tension and even a little bit of strategy to that. But when it's on time, that just ruins it. I feel like, and, um, 
while it's not timed, it is very short in this battle golf. So there's a few things I can see that would really improve it. But at the moment, it's, just, it's very basic. I think it's a lot of fun though. So it's definitely worth um, having a look if you've got the game, definitely. But it's not going to uh, keep your attention for like a whole a whole night playing it necessarily compared to the rest of the game. But um, yeah, James, do you have any thoughts on um, or questions, sorry, for uh, battle golf? When it first started, like when they first started showing Battle Golf, I really did think that three holes was quite short, considering that they were going for, you know, like this battle sort of mode compared to the speed golf mode. It's sort of, they were trying to do two different things, but sort of two very similar things as well. So I, I think, yeah, I think they would have to put in a bit more... Um, a few more changes to battle mode just to give it more options. Like like you said, rather than just having three holes, being able to do more holes or have it have it change, being able to change it so then it sort of separates it more. Yeah. Yep, that would be awesome. Yeah, because at the moment when you, if you if you're just someone off the street looking and seeing oh speed speed golf and battle golf, they sound sort of similar. Mm. And the pacing would be very similar as well. So, yeah, yeah it's sort of they need to dif- if they want it to update it in the future, they're going to have to look at somehow differentiating a bit more on the battle mode than to the speed mode. Yeah, the one thing they could do is if the hole doesn't disappear once you get it in, and you could maybe like take it back, or if you get it in from less shots like a- from a certain part, or I know that's in everybody's golf, you can mm. kind of take a hole off. It's kind of like capture the flag yeah type. like a capture the, that's what i was thinking when you were saying that like a capture the flag sort of situation where you got to capture the most amount of holes by the time the time yep. runs out or something like that like that could be a good idea to to change things up in it and maybe teams as well in in battle golf i didn't see if you could do that in that menu i i, I might be wrong in saying that but i think it's free for all is that right drew yeah i think it was um i can't quite remember like all the rules yeah um, off the top of my head now but um. Yeah, but it is fun. I will say it is fun, and you're right. Like looking at it, Jamie, it is it is a bit too short, short and sweet though. Mm. Um, maybe it could just be a bit longer, or like you said, some of the rules tweakings could help that out. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, if they add, if they keep like content coming to the main game, and maybe they'll actually add stuff to that mode in particular, that'd be great as well. Because I'd I'd love to play more of it. It just needs. It just needs more, <laughs> to be honest. Yes. That's, that's yep. all it's missing. I think the actual idea is fantastic. Um, just bringing that sort of arcade just balls-to-the-wall Mario Kart battle mode to the game, I think it's a, I think it's a lot of fun. So it just needs to get some, some more it, stuff in Flesh it out a bit more. Flesh yeah. it out a bit more than what it is at the moment. It seems, seems like with the game overall, they just need to flesh it out more. Mm. Like there's just – there's they've got the, the bones to start with. They just need to – add a fair bit to it like yeah, you yeah. could say that the they they could have sounds like they could have rushed this pardon the pun <laughs> but um yeah but sounds like they wanted to get this out and now they've they've got this content part that they announced at e3 yeah they're, they're sort of going to add to it but then it's also how much are they going to add to it that's that's the big question yeah, so they mentioned characters and stages. Like, that's great. That'll be a lot of fun when they bring them out. I'll 
definitely like be dipping back into it when they release that type of content. But it's also missing and uh, like hasn't included some other things that I I don't expect them to add, but I really hope they do add because then it will really improve the game. I mentioned the tournaments that was in uh, Mario Kart 3D, not Mario Kart, Mario uh, Golf on 3DS. That was in that one. Um, just like some fun challenges and that to do by yourself. I think that would be great to add to it. Um, and just like, even like graphical stuff, there's a lot of just janky looking sort of um, textures and stuff in the game. And especially like on the ground and stuff. And in particular, the, uh, I can't remember the exact level, but it's one of Bowser's stages. Whereas like on the ground, it just looks, it looks like, Mar- it looks like a, a sort of a screenshot from Mario 64 on top of Peach's castle. It looked like you were just looking at the, t- the roof just right up close. It looked like, you know, pretty shocking for a Switch game. Um, and, you know, like it's, it is like a pretty basic and nice looking game all in all, but there are just some uh, things in the game that just make you wonder like how did a second party, you know, N- Nintendo game sort of come out looking like this and, it doesn't like bother me so much. Like it's still a very fun game at its heart, but there are some just like some polishing issues that I do wish were fixed up. And honestly, I don't expect them to be fixed after launch. So um, yeah. And that is what sort of ultimately makes me come to the thought that Mario Golf, it's it's a lot of fun. I definitely recommend it. It's for people to play online or with friends locally or whatever, but I wouldn't suggest it for full price for 80 bucks. I think it's just missing some content and some polish that I would expect from a, a full price Nintendo game because I know like we pay $80 for all sorts of stuff coming from Nintendo, whether it's Breath of the Wild, Mario Odyssey, Super Smash Brothers, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, you know, they're 80 bucks and they're 80 bucks alongside the likes of Mario Tennis, uh, Kirby, star allies you know all of this um you know very big gap between the the quality and the content of these games but um mario golf it's just if you can pick it up for i don't know even 70 or 60 australian dollars i think that'll be fine especially around launch but uh definitely a title that if you can get it on sale that'll be ideal but i know like around launch you want to play with your friends all everyone's talking about it the hype's there you know go and get it you'll have fun but just don't expect like the most amazing polished golf experience around. But would you agree with that, buddy? Or do you have a different take on it? Nah, I agree with all, all, everything you said there. De- definitely um, temper your expectations and kind of know um, what is going to give this game longevity. And that's having an active community and probably like a friend group that you're going to be playing with quite often. Um, so if you know people that... Uh, play online gaming quite a lot and have a switch and have got, got golf and they're going to do that then i think then you kind of know at least you're going to get some maybe bang for your buck but yeah everything else i'd probably kind of maybe wait off and and see what that content plan is like or if they do add anything or if nintendo ever puts any of their games on sale which is very rarely but um yeah yeah if if they ever do go on sale it's usually like you know not not like a whole lot off i think like Kirby and Donkey Kong, I think the most they've gone on sale for was like 53 bucks on the eShop and um, obviously you can get secondhand from wherever. Um, that's usually an all right price as well. But yeah, definitely definitely uh, recommend this game if you want to play with people. And if you've got no one to play with, we are playing this in the House of Mario Discord community. We've got a, we're going to try and do a weekly 
um, golf games in there. So check check uh, that out. There's a link in the show notes if you want to go and check out uh, the Discord community. But I think the biggest test, buddy, is whether you're going to hold on to this game. So, you know, you're a, a physical game collector. You like, you know, trading your games in for the next thing. Um, to be able to yep. f- fund the next game and stuff. And you did mention that, you know, you don't know how long you're going to be holding on to this before. So do you see yourself having this in your collection so you can dip into it and play with people or? No, 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 probably not. Probably the same thing I did with tennis. I bounced on tennis pretty quick where it was like yeah. two, three weeks, maybe a month. I got my feel out of it. I kind of front load my experience and just try and get as much as possible in um, quite early and then I'll roll it for the next thing. So um, the next thing I'm waiting for is like F1 2021, which is on the 16th of July. So that's what, one, <laughs> two, that's, that's three. The yeah, that's like three weeks. That'll be four weeks of play with golf. So maybe I'll trade it then if I'm, I'm struggling for uh, uh, for funds, if I need to put towards the next game or, or maybe the one after that, I think in August for Kenner or something. So yeah. um, it, it, it depends uh, how, I guess it depends how much I'm playing it in the next two or three weeks. That'll determine whether I, I hold under it for a little bit longer. All right, I'll keep that in mind. If I want to play with you, then we better get the Mario <laughs> Golf in quick <laughs> You just harass me whenever you want. Yeah. What about you, Jamie? Uh, you're getting it as a birthday present, I believe you said. Yeah, yeah. I said to my wife that um, she asked me what I wanted and, yeah, I couldn't think really of ideas. So sort of she suggested, do you want me to get you a game? And it's like, oh, yeah, can we get Mario Golf? Uh, so I think she's going to get that for me, but we'll see what happens. So that'll be the 18th of July. Um, Maybe I'll so- have to keep it. <laughs> hang hang it hang on for it for a few few more weeks <laughs> yeah 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 so i'm looking forward to 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 giving it a go at least and see seeing seeing it for myself yeah yeah i think you have fun with it like i said it's a well like i i had that feeling the other day where i had to go and do something i was out and about and i had that feeling in the back of my head where i'm like oh i want to play mario golf so i think that's a good sort of sign for a game when you're thinking mm. about it when you're not playing it. And, you know, I don't get yeah, that well, about every game. So, <laughs> Yeah, well, my sort of experience with Mario Golf is only like the 64, um, the Game Boy Color version, and a little bit of Toadstool Tour on the GameCube. So um, it's been a while since I've actually played, like I've played a golf game, a Mario Golf game. Um, so, 64 was mine as well yeah I yeah yeah and i i got that out from the video store so many times like i just played it to death and really enjoyed it and i think i got it on the virtual console as well so it's always a lot of fun to play play 64 and so it'll be interesting to see how uh super rush goes yeah we'll play Mario, we'll play in a murray golf actually um at my bachelor's party a few months ago um mark oh I was, was going to say Mario Kart, Mario Golf 64. That was a lot of fun just uh, getting it around. And I was actually, I was looking forward to uh, Super Rush a lot, actually, just for the fact I wanted just a really nice casual uh, game where I'm just, you know, just taking my time, have a nice swing, see if I can get a nice score. <laughs> but what I sort of found out is it stresses me out a lot, taking the shots and making sure like I'm looking at the wind, I'm looking at the terrain, like I'm just doing the little putt, I actually find it really stressful, so I didn't get what I wanted at all. I think I sort of underestimated the uh, the fort that goes in the golf. I was just expecting like, yeah, just hit it, hit it, 
<laughs> well, it's funny because Mario Golf actually got me into playing real golf as like mm. a young teen. Like I, I played at my local course and Mario Golf sort of taught me how to read greens because you get the little grid on the green and you mm. can see the angle, the slope. And it taught me to, you know, when I'm looking at an actual green on a golf course, I'm like, okay, it's going to go right to left. I need to aim over to the right a little bit. And, and yeah, it really taught, it taught me how to play real golf. And so I play, I actually, because of Mario golf, I got to play real golf, got quite good at it. Um, it got to the stage where I couldn't really play it anymore and just, just circumstances. But, um, yeah, it's a sort of a case of a video game translating to a real thing. Yeah, that's really cool. And I've always wanted awesome. to um, try like real golf for a while, but you know, I don't have like a group of people to go out there with and try it out. But I'd love to just take a pair of cl- clubs and a ball and see how many hits it takes me to get into the hole. I think that'd be a lot of fun. I actually I got my grandma's old uh, kitty years ago. It was like this pink one, so I would never like take it out on an actual golf course. But I took it around the farm and. I basically got all the balls and I just hit them as hard as I could and don't know where they went. <laughs> it's a lot of fun though. Just like, yeah, hit them like, oh, that's a good hit. Just watch it go. Never set that a ball again. Put another one down, hit. And uh, yeah, the balls didn't last long, obviously. But I hope they weren't really good ones. I hope they were just cheap ones, Grandma. I'm sorry about that. But <laughs> all righty. I think we've uh, wrapped up our thoughts on Mario Golf. Guys, is there anything else you would like to say before we move on to the news? Nothing. Nothing uh, else uh, out, uh, outside of um, outside of golf. Yeah. yeah. So I I've been recently been playing the uh, the demo that's coming out for Neo. The world ends with you. Yes. Mm. Yeah. I'm I'm quite looking forward to uh, trying this one out for myself. So I'm clean keen to hear what you have to say, Jamie. So have you? I've either of you actually played. The original worlds and world ends with you on the DS, mm-hmm. or even the um, version that came out on Switch a year, two years ago, roughly. Yep, I I played it on DS um, years ago when the DS was uh, the main handheld at the time. I never I never played the right for, uh, through it and finished it, but I really enjoyed what I played. Yeah, I was fortunate enough to receive a copy of the world ends with you on the DS from Nintendo Australia themselves. And um, yeah, I I played it from start to finish. It's it was quite a difficult game for me because it's it's very stylized. You you've got your dual battle system with your top screen using your button controls and and the bottom screen using your touch screen. Mm-hmm. So working together. Uh, so with Neo, so it's all done on one screen because obviously there's only one screen. Uh, it's it's set in the same world as as the original. The world ends with you. Uh, you play as uh, the main character Rindo, uh, who seems to be attached to his phone quite a fair bit. Mm-hmm. And you've also got his uh, his best mate, his best mate Fret. He and the two of them, uh, Brett Fret, buys these couple of pins called Reaper pins, and then some. A bit of story happens, and then they end up in the Reapers game, where you have to survive for seven days, or you will face face erasure. 
or effectively you are erased from the game. So it's then up to Rindo and Fret to find out what's happened to them, why it's why are they involved in this game? And so they have to go around Shibuya in Japan. Mm-hmm. It's it's as I said, it's the same area as what was in the um, original version. The it's actually a lot more fleshed out than what it was in the original. Like the original, it was sort of like um, sort of like two D plane, but you could sort of um, go along along the yeah it was, yeah it was more two D plane with with the three D with um, Neo the it's a lot more stylized. You can see a lot more. The angle of the camera is a bit, a bit strange. Like I've never come across a game that sort of sits the camera at like you're looking at the screen and it sort of pans out to to the world. And yeah, you got to go around. You got to um, complete missions that are sent to your phone to basically earn points to compete against these other people who are competing in the game. And the idea is that you try, if you win the game, you get granted your wish, which means you can leave the game. But there's always a twist. So I've only played so far the first couple of days because it's seven days. You can, it's only, it's a demo that can go, you can go up to level 15. So you've got your own, um, there's an experience system where you defeat um, creatures called noise and you beat them, you get experience, you level up, you you use pins to battle against the noise. The pins get their own experience and you can level up your pins to make them stronger. And then it's going through the story, figuring out the puzzles. A lot of the missions are you got uh, places to specific places to go to to solve the problem. Solve the problem. You might have to listen to other people's thoughts because when you when you uh, try to listen for the noise, you can see everyone's thoughts, just like in the original version. Um, you can piece together um, thoughts that people are having to remind them of things and. Yeah, like I said, um, I'm only on day two of it, but I and I'm really enjoying it so far. The soundtrack is an absolute banger. <laughs> the um, the original version, the DS version, it was quite poppy, like it had a lot of pop music uh, mixed with a bit of bit of rock, a bit of metal. Whereas Neo has certainly turned that up a notch. And you can see that in the opening sequence that you'll see when you do fire up the demo that, pardon me, that the, um, it's the, the music is a lot more heavier. It's a lot more punchy. It, and it's definitely a game that you want to have headphones in because it's just going to belt that music and it's just going to pump you up and it just feels so good to, battle the noise and I uh, should actually say with the battling of the noise your pins are put to uh, button controls so you could get a melee pin which you which is assigned to like your x button you got a ranged pin that's assigned to your y button 
and you get other pins that can be assigned to other uh, buttons like your, your L and then your R button as well. Uh, yeah, I'm digging. I'm yeah. digging the. I'm digging the art style because I've never really seen this game before. Um, I I saw the other one that was released. What were you saying last year? The Switch port. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's 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 definitely not my style of game. Um, the gameplay wise, but I love this kind of like comic book art, like uh, cut scenes, like with the, the with the panels and everything. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, it does come up with those panels and that, and definitely the 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 battle system is very combo based. So you want to um, start attacking, and then it comes up with a prompt. Then you switch attacks, and then it combos on top of that. So the more um, attacks you combo onto it, the the stronger you get until you get to a point where you can do like a combined attack, which then can like increase your t- attack power and help you take down multiple foes at once. So, but yeah, the style, it's a very stylized um, sort of art style. Mm. But um, it's, it's really popping. Like it, it, just things will pop out of you and it's like you feel really involved in the in the world of in the world of Shibuya. Yeah, it looks it looks busy. Like there's not just like a couple of NPC characters. Like the world actually kind of looks busy. Yeah, yeah. And that's the whole point too. Like it's sort of meant to simulate what it would like what it would look like in Shibuya in Japan. So you you start at like the scramble crossing, which is famous for, you know, hundreds, thousands of people going everywhere when um then when they're crossing it and it's it's just simulating the world where you know there's it's just full of people and that you can because of how the game works you can listen to all these people and you can just see all these thoughts appear across the screen and it's meant to meant to make you feel like it's busy mm-hmm. but yeah. not to the point where it's where it's overwhelming yeah. yeah, just from like the the footage that I've seen, like they capture just the busyness of of Japan really well, just with how they sort of um, populate it. And it'd be really weird if it was just like a couple of NPCs and stuff around the town, and that was it, because <laughs> that'd be like not sort of the vibe they're going for. But I'm I'm looking forward to this game. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. But um, I don't know, from the demo, did you pick up whether you need to have played the original game or can you go into this sort of fresh? Because I know like a lot of people, they wouldn't have played The World Ends With You on DS and they might not have gone no. back to the port. So would you? No, no, definitely, definitely. Like the, it, um, the game gives you step-by-step uh, step on things to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it literally spells it out to you. It gives you quite a decent tutorial. Like... For me, like I, I've played the original. I've played solo remix on mobile, and I still died in like my third battle. All but right. yep. yeah, but it's just paying attention to what's going on, um, especially in the battles. Like you can, when you're attacking, you got to also make make sure you can dodge as well. So you just got to be paying attention and getting those combos together. And you once you start doing that. Quite quite often, you'll start to get a flow, and that's when it really starts picking up. Yeah, the battle system sounds really cool. From what you explained too. Oh yeah, it, it yeah, and you can also chain battles together as well. So if you chain two battles together, then the you get more rewards for 
uh, beating both battles, but as you chain more and more battles, then the enemies get stronger. So you've got mm. that risk versus reward. If you want to get more pins and you want to get more rewards, then you've got to sacrifice a bit or make it div more difficult for you in order to um, get that reward. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, the game comes out July. So the demo's up at the moment. You can... Uh, go through it and your progress will carry over. So I'm looking yes. for, I'm looking forward to playing that demo. Also the Monster Hunter Stories demo came out this on the same day for the um Monster Hunter Stories 2. And um I'm also looking forward to the Sky 6 demo too. I'm going to try that. I've never really the Sky really hasn't really appealed to me that much, but um since the demo's there and it is a Switch exclusive in the West, I'm keen to give that a go. So I've got like a fair few demos just on my plate I'm keen to give a go and See if I want to get the full game or not. Yeah, it's one thing that Nintendo does really well, eh? Like, like the, the the demo support and kind of you know give you a taste of a game before it kind of comes out, and um, it's something that you know I, I know as a PlayStation fan, I don't really see or hear too many of demos kind of popping up. It's the uh, the odd one here or there, but I feel like Nintendo really embraces that kind of that model. Yeah, seems mm. to be pretty regular on Switch, but. Buddy, even though it's not a buddy game, you can try Neo out on the PlayStation 4. The demo's up there too, so you can try. Look at that. <laughs> so you can do there it there too. They should market that better. Yeah, they should. <laughs> yeah, July 27th, 27th. Neo comes out. Yeah. yeah, and it's available on Switch and PS4, and it is also coming to Steam a bit later on. Yeah, so got plenty of options of places to play it. All right. Anything else we've been playing, guys, before we jump into the news? I've also been playing a bit of Luigi's Mansion 3. Oh, okay. Nice. Very nice. Yeah, I borrowed that from a friend of mine, and um, yeah, and I've really enjoyed it. Like, it, it's, I've never experienced a Luigi's Mansion game before. Mm-hmm. So, um, but just his just Luigi's interactions with the world and how much detail they've actually put into this game is it's absolutely stunning uh, being at, seeing Luigi's reactions to just absolutely anything and everything like it's incredible how how much detail is actually in this game yeah it goes to show that like a game doesn't have to be open world or like massive to really make an example. Like these rooms and that, they're very small. They're, um, you know, there's not like like a massive area to sort of animate in that, but that allows them to sort of concentrate on making every flower pot, every bed, every cupboard to be interactable, to be able to, to move to Luigi's vacuum cleaner, to be able to um, be able to press A on, interact with it and stuff. So... It's, it really is important. So I think um, it's also the game that made the acquisition of Next Level Games by Nintendo like pretty exciting because they've been pretty much exclusively uh, develop, developing games for Nintendo for, for years. So um, seeing them go in-house and what they can do with a, another Luigi's Mansion or anything going forward is really exciting. So Yeah, yeah. It's just... And even like the interactions with the objects around you, like there's one stage where... You use your vacuum cleaner to suck up a chainsaw, and you go around. You start just cutting every every single bit of vine. You cut up the cupboards. You cut up the bed. You cut up every single thing, and it's just so satisfying. Yeah, like the I love that the, bit. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy how much detail. It's just 
Yeah, and the puzzles, like a couple of puzzles did stump me a bit. Like, so I had to go because I wanted to progress the story. I just have a quick, have a quick look at the guide to go, mm-hmm. oh, um, I'm feel silly now. I should have seen that. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm up to, I believe I'm near the end. I think I'm up to the last floor. So um, very, yeah, should hopefully wrap that up in the next couple of weeks. And yeah, um, hopefully go and go back and just try and flesh out whatever, whatever's left. What do you think you're going to move on to next after Luigi's Mansion? You got anything else in the pipeline or uh, another release I coming up? Actually, don't at the moment. Like I finished Fire Emblem, like completely, hundred percent finished Fire Emblem Three Houses, and so I sort of was stumped there for a bit as to what I was going to play, and then I ended up playing Luigi's Mansion Three. So that sort of held me off for a little while, but I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to play next. Um, thinking I might go back to the SNES online and have another run of Donkey Kong Country 2. I was, was going to say that, but you actually said it. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm sort of, I've, I've been watching a, um, a Let's Play of a Donkey Kong Country 2 ROM hack called yep. Unveiled, and it's, it's a, like a much harder version of Donkey Kong Country 2, and it's been really edited to be a much harder experience for the player but it's sort of thinking oh i might go back and have another go at, at the original donkey kong country too just to uh give give me another give me another go at it see what i can do yeah because you've done like a, a few attempts at speed runs and that of that game what's a what is your uh time in that game running through it so i've got down to actual play time um, cause I, like, I know speedrunners they sort of have their own time to keep track of how they're playing, but I got the in-game time down to an hour and 51 minutes. Mm, very nice. And like, I started out, you know, three, three hours down to, wow. so, sort of got down to like two hours, 10, two hours, 20, and they're sort of stuck there for a while. And then I put it down for a couple of weeks and then I went back to it. Had another go and I got an hour and fifty one. So it was sort of like yeah, nailed it. <laughs> Quite and the improvement, it's, and, yeah. <laughs> and it's it's not even the best run that I could do because I still died multiple times during it. So it can go quicker. It's just yeah. Do I do I want to go quicker? Is that that's the thing. Because the last time I played I went two hours and three minutes. So yeah. Yeah, I was very, I was very close to getting under two hours again. But we'll see, we might, we might have another go and see what happens. Yeah, yeah, keep going at it, keep, keep improving, because uh, you were streaming it the other day, and yeah, it's just, uh, it's just fun to watch. Whether you actually get like an amazing time or not, it's just, it's about the journey. You can always try again. Yeah, yeah definitely, <laughs> and and it's just like it's, it's an amazing game. Like the, the platforming is spot on. The the controls that they're just so fluid and the, the soundtrack, like it's one of the best soundtracks period. Like it's just, it's an incredible game. Yeah. Donkey Kong. I, the music has always been phenomenal, especially like just the uh, actual main Donkey Kong theme. I've, I've always loved it so much. Just been a big fan of percussion in general, just like the drums and that it gives me goosebumps every single time. It's one of like my most listened to like Nintendo soundtracks absolutely love it awesome all right 
Are we ready? I know. I'm sorry. I've been like, oh, anything before we go to the news, like four times. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No, that's my fault. I keep on (laughs) on putting a foot in people's mouths. But I'll say it again. Anything else before we go to the news, guys? No, good deal. (laughs) (laughs) No, I appreciate it, man, because we talked about – talking about neo at the start and i i I, uh, almost looked over it so i I do thank you for for bringing that up because i was keen to hear about it myself it's all good all right all right let's jump into the news everyone is that all i fight for my friends my body is still all right, so the first story for tonight is uh, a bit of Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild 2 news, and it's nothing too much, but it's just going to put a little bit of um, thought to what the next game might bring. So this is from my Nintendo news, and the title is Nintendo's Build Trinon on Breath of the Wild 2. Uh, by the time you finish playing it, I think everyone's probably going to feel that this is its own thing. So the article reads, Nintendo Treehouse's Bill Trinan had plenty to say to IGN about what The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild 2 is, even though he couldn't reveal anything about the game itself. One topic in particular had uh, been about comparisons to Majora's Mask and if the game was really going to be its own thing. Trinan understands why, for the time being, uh, that this is happening. He said to IGN that, quote, I would say that it's an easy comparison or conclusion to jump to at this point in time. Just given uh, what's been shown so far and given the nature of uh, it being a direct sequel. So I understand people making that conclusion. But at the same time, I don't want to delve into it too much. This is its own game, end quote. Uh, He also doesn't seem to think that it's entirely fair to make comparisons to how Majora's Mask reused parts of its predecessor, saying that, quote, I think that uh, as we start to slow down a bit more, uh, show a bit more of the game over time, and the coming months and the next year. So it will probably start to be a bit more apparent where this game stands on its own and what makes it so unique, end quote. Lastly, Trinan also said that, quote, uh, the time that the sequel uh, builds builds on Breath of the Wild, which was already such an uh, expansive game with so many layers of Link's abilities and layers to the gameplay. I think this is going to, this is going to lay on quite a bit more on top of that, end quote. And uh, yes, Breath of the Wild is slated to come out in 2022. So I guess this is just uh, you know, the obvious comparisons a lot of Zelda fans have to make to this game is that you know Majora's Mask was a direct sequel to Ocarina of Time um, back in the Nintendo 64 generation. And it's easy to make the comparisons that they reuse the same engine assets for a sequel of the game. And we did sort of uh, think that this was more of the case back in... Um, 2019 when they announced that Breath of the Wild was getting a sequel and it taking so long I've I myself have come to the thought that you know it is very much not just uh, a reuse of assets to make a new story um, I think the trailer did show that they were introducing a fair few new things to, to the game but um, what do you guys think do you think this is going to be more of a a Majora's Mask take on things or do you believe Bill Trinan that um, there's going to be a fair bit to this game, even more that we've seen in the uh, recent uh, trailer shown at E3 a couple of weeks ago. So, uh, Jamie, we'll start with you. Um, what do you sort of expect from Breath of the Wild 2? It's definitely hard to not compare, have the comparisons between 
Breath of the Wild and the sequel and Ocarina and Majora's Mask, considering they're pretty much in the same position where Majora's Mask, as you said, used the same assets, just re reworked the world and seems like Breath of the Wild 2 is going along that same route. But in saying that, then when they showed the trailer at E3, they've a lot of people thought, oh, they're going to go underground. They're going to go underneath Hyrule <laughs> and flesh that out. Yep. Instead, they just went the exact opposite. They went <laughs> up into the sky. Psych, so we're it, flying it, today, boys. <laughs> yeah, so it'll be interesting how the the sky, the land in, in the sky will function with the Hyrule itself. Uh, seems It seems also that because Skyward Sword is coming out in July, that jo- Skyward Sword is going to have some form of significance to Breath of the Wild sequel. So it's going to be interesting to see. It's, it's They haven't really revealed enough to say, oh, it's going to be, this is what's going to happen, this is what's going to happen, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But so we still need a bit more to sort of flesh out the details. And I know that people are sort of going frame by frame on the, on the most recent trailer, but we're, we still don't know that much about it. Yeah, we can sort of uh, look a bit into it and maybe try to understand what the what the basis for the story is, what's happened to Link, what uh, the story behind this particular version of Ganondorf is. But it's hard to sort of look at all the details and figure out exactly what's going on. But that's exactly what Nintendo wants. They want their fans just talking about every single little detail and getting free marketing out of just hype and excitement and uh, speculation, which is, which is fine. Cause at the end of the day, it's a, it's a lot of fun to do. So I don't, I don't mind so much if the game isn't ready, they can, I don't want them to be showing us everything, including the name and uh, the new features of the game uh, this far away from launch. You know, I want it to come out when it's ready to show and hopefully be a great game. But uh, buddy, uh, do you have um, much to say on, um, Maybe this uh, perspective from Bill Trinan that there's going to be uh, a big sort of difference between these two games, or do you think he's just talking bullshit um, to IGN? Well, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I guess I was less impressed with the Breath of the Wild trailer from E3 because I really felt like that as far as like color palette, it really just seemed like more of Breath of the Wild 2. Like we did get oh, – I saw Breath of the Wild 1. We mm. did get m- – some of those awesome new gameplay mechanics when, you know, kind of shifting through the the bridge upwards and um, the kind of thing he does with the boulders as well. That was good. But everything else kind of had me a little bit worried of like, is this just going to be that same type of thing where they do reuse the assets? I guess the big thing with Majora's Mask is even though they may have reused assets and um, just changed a few things up with the world, it had a compelling kind of, timeline and, and story that was very much different to Ocarina of Time with the 72 hours of rain. I feel like it, that was different enough to kind of differentiate it. So um, if he is saying that, you know, we don't want to just do the Majora's Mask thing, I don't really see that as kind of like, a, I, I get how that's like a kind of d- dispelling negative theory, but I'd hope that, you know, even if they do reuse some assets, I'd, I'd want them to kind of be outside of the box more with kind of that, Majora's Mask type thinking with the, the story, you know, it doesn't have to be timed or anything because even though I loved Ocarina of Time, I kind of bounced out of Majora's Mask quite early uh, when I played it. Um, I was a lot younger and kind of didn't really like that mechanic of being forced to kind of rush things. But um, I think they really need to do something 
different. I was hoping that might have been like some kind of, you know, like what you were saying before, Jamie, about the underground or um, some kind of like maybe a glimpse of like a dark world or a different Hyrule. So I'm I'm hoping there's more to than just this is the same Hyrule that we're in before and now we have new mechanics and um, maybe a, a different extension to the story. I really hope there is something more as like a carrot on the stick than to just more Breath of the Wild because I, I, I don't think that will be like satisfying enough why not won't be for me so even though i like really loved breath of the wild so yeah like the- and they could still do that and they can st- sorry drew and they can oh, still but- do that like they they can if if what they're doing they could still go like triple the size of the world like they could still go underneath the underneath hyrule as well as apply it to the sky as well because there's all this talk about oh there's they're going to submit dungeons in the game well They've got more Hyrule now to work with, so you would hope that they would be able to put more in, considering they're going not just um, across, but they're going up and down as well. I really hope we do get dungeons in the game. As much as I love the shrines, I, I just don't think they can just have 100 or 120 more different shrines. I, I do like no. those micro things, but maybe have maybe less of them um, at the at the extent of having more fleshed out dungeons like your traditional you know seven seven dungeons or whatever the uh, your zelda game kind of typically goes for so yeah i definitely miss the uh the dungeons uh i thought like fair enough for what they were doing in breath of the wild they were trying some very different things the whole sort of uh marketing thing for breath of the wild was we're breaking conventions and that is because the conventions were so locked down and so sort of boring and skyward sword that they kind of needed to be able to have that big shift but now they don't really, you know, now they've got people saying, oh, Mr. Dungeons, bring them back. So I think I think they look at that feedback and they will bring them back more in this game. Um, so I'm not too worried about that. But as far as like more land to uh, explore and stuff, like you said about the light world or the dark world or some equivalent, I think there will be that sort of um, feature in the sky. I think there's going to be lots of stuff to explore on those little islands. There's probably some bigger islands as well with a lot more um, media opportunities for exploration. So I think that's going to be um, some of the the stuff in there. But I, w- I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot more sort of extra content in this game. or well, not just content, but just uh, places to explore because the whole thing about Breath of the Wild is when you got dropped there, when you come out of your hibernation, you were just like, all right, what do I do now? And you sort of find your way, you get <laughs> equipment, you find uh, villagers to talk to, and you just make your way throughout the game. And that will be lost um, if they keep it exactly the same, obviously it's going to be the same land. So uh, whether they keep it similar or they remix it a bit and they do have like maybe, oh, this this town has been destroyed in the meantime and they've resettled somewhere else. I don't know exactly how they're going to shift around the story so they can make the world feel new. But they're going to have to make the world feel like you don't know where you're going. Otherwise, it's going to take away some of that magic that Breath of the Wild 1 had. And whether they're actually aiming for that or they're aiming for something else in this game where it is a bit more story-driven, you already have explored the land of Hyrule, you know where stuff is, but this is about story, this is about developing those areas. Um, just depends on where Enuma and the team want to take it. But I'm really looking forward to it. Obviously, it'd be kind of weird if I wasn't. Otherwise, why the hell am I here if I'm not excited for a Zelda game? Um, but yeah. Came for it. Anything else you guys want to add on before we move on? As a big Link to the Past fan, I'd love to see, um, I guess, the wizard from Link to the Past maybe come back and maybe that can be some kind of um, reasoning behind, like some of the Terraformer is different or the land has changed up 
um, without having to have Hyrule and extra and um, having it a bit, bit more bigger, but just changing of parts of the the landscape that are already there. So um, not just having Ganon or Ganondorf kind of be the, the, the central antagonist. Yeah, I'd it'd like... Be interesting yeah. It'll be interesting it would, to see, yeah, with the explore, um, the exploration part where you basically you're free to do what you want, whether it's more streamlined this time, and there are spots where you can go and explore, but your your story is a lot more straighter than just um, go out, explore, do these things, and then you're done. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Because yeah. like, yeah, Breath of the Wild, it was fantastic with what they did. How open it was but obviously that does come at the sacrifice of story there's a lot of law there's a lot of environmental storytelling there's uh sort of explanations of why the world was how it was through sort of the the memories that you collect throughout the game and there's a lot of juicy goodness in there if you're a zelda fan who's into law but if you want like a, a fun story a fun adventure um you've got to really look for it which is kind of the opposite the skyward sword where the adventure wasn't that fun but the story was pretty good so they kind of went the complete different um, different way. But just uh, before I wrap this up, uh, Skull Sword HD comes out next month. Either of you guys picking this one up? Buddy, I assume you didn't play it on Wii in 2012 or 2011. Um, you reckon you'll give it a go on Switch or you're giving this one a miss? Don't know. I don't know. It uh, don't know. it clashes. It clashes with F1 2021 on the same day. <laughs> and um, I've just become a massive F1 fan. <laughs> uh, in the last <laughs> two years. So um, I don't know if I have the budget for both, but uh, I didn't really hear too many great things about Skyward Sword kind of when it came out, like with, with its kind of criticism. I, I, I'd, I'd be more inclined to play it if it was like a Wind Waker or something else, but um, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. Maybe. Well, the good thing about um, Skyward Sword HD is after release day, you can still buy it. So... Whether, whether, <laughs> whether it's later in the month or five years' time, you'll still be available. That's right. But <laughs> what I'll say about Skyward Sword, it's a good game. Um, when, the, when the reviews came out, this is, this is a learning experience for me. I remember IGN gave it a 10 out of 10, and I was hyped a brand-new Zelda game. We've been waiting for an original Zelda game on Wii for the whole time when you actually be able to use the, the, the uh, Wii mo- as motion controls for the sword. We've been waiting for that forever, and IGN comes out 10 out of 10. Oh, Fuck, it's a good game, ladies and gentlemen. Get around it. It's bloody awesome. And so, oh, yes, Finn Game. I remember GameSpot put out their review. They gave it a seven. And I'm like, how the hell yes. can it be a seven? That's bullshit. Like, like for real, God, no, no, they, they, they hate Nintendo, you know, whatever it was. I wasn't that upset, but I was just like kind of, <laughs> kind of baffled by it. I'm like, really, seven? And playing through the game, I'm like, yes. This, How the hell is this game a 10 out of 10? It's not a 10 out of 10. <laughs> It's very much a seven out of ten. It's a good game. It's good. People are going to enjoy it, but it's got a it's got a, uh, got a vast amount of problems and issues that um really do hamper the game. But I think from a, from a dungeon point of view, it's got great dungeons. It's got great characters. It's um, got a great story, especially if you're a, um, into the lore of the Legend of Zelda. It kind of explains where a lot of these ca- things came from. Being the Triforce, um, why Link and Zelda get reincarnated every single. Um, generation so it asks a lot of questions which are a lot of fun but it is it is very much um sort of um glued down just with wasting your time backtracking um 
some issues that just make you go, all right, I'm just, you know, move this thing along, please. But Jamie, I assume you've played Skyward Sword before. Are you going to be uh, playing the HD version? No, I'm probably not going to be dipping into this version. Uh, I had the um, special the anniversary. It was like a 20th anniversary, 25th or was 25th, what anniversary? Yeah. yeah, 25th. That one, the one that came with yeah. the um, the music CD and the Wii Motion Plus Gold Wii Remote because I didn't have a Wii Motion Plus remote to play um, Skyward Sword with, so I just got I had gotten that at the time, and like the motion controls were, you know, everyone's barking up saying that uh, the motion controls just don't work, that they're no good, and it's like no, they're not that bad. It's just getting um, getting used to it and getting. Making making it work for what you want to do, yeah. Um, but it's also it's like Skyward Sword is a very polarizing game. You either <laughs> like it or you don't. And I I went on and off with it for years. Like I I haven't finished it. I got to like the last dungeon before the final boss, and like I I dropped it. Like I just couldn't couldn't go through with it anymore. It just it just eked out of my my life circumstances, and I just I have no real interest on in picking up the HD version. Like I sort of went and had a look. I sort of know how it ends, and going like yeah, I don't have any appeal to go back to it. Yeah, no, fair enough. Yeah, I feel kind of kind of similar. Uh, if I didn't like do the House of Mario, I don't know how compelled I would be to go and play this game again. I enjoyed my first time with it, but it's not necessarily the type of experience I'd want to experience again. But, you know, because of the House of Mario, I will be playing it again. <laughs> whether uh, whether it compels me to get through 30 hours of the game again, not sure, but I'll definitely be checking out how the controls and all that works. And I would like to actually sit down and do a um, spoiler cast type of thing with Bryce. I think that'd be a lot of fun because it is a great story. I think um, there's some moments in there where I'm like, you know, Eyes are weeping up a bit. I'm like, holy shit. And the music, the music's phenomenal. Just like a completely orchestrated um, Legend of Zelda track. Absolutely phenomenal. Like, um, And it's going from Skyward Sword to Breath of the Wild as well. Just the absence of big moving tracks in Breath of the Wild. It was noticeable from the previous game being Skyward Sword because that had some incredible music, some of the best music in the whole franchise. So um has a lot of great points, Skull Sword. Definitely, I definitely recommend it. If anyone's looking for a Zelda game and they haven't played it, please, please pick it up. But um, it is an eighty dollars game as well, and you know, it's a <laughs> it's an eighty dollars uh, re-resed, re-controlled, which does take a lot of work. But I don't know, don't know how I feel about that price. But if, it's Nintendo. If you haven't played, yeah, if you haven't played it, definitely worth a look at if you're a Zelda fan. But if you have played it. It's not something that you need to rush out and get. Mm. Like if you if you enjoy Zelda for what it is, and you enjoy Skyward Sword when you play it on the Wii, great, go and pick it up. But you you don't need to rush at it. If 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 you didn't enjoy it the first time around, you're not really gonna enjoy it the next time around. No. Yes, we'll be uh, talking about it more as the the game comes up for its re-release. Anyway. All right, so let's move on to some more news. This is also from my Nintendo News, and I brought this up because Jamie Penning is on the show, and Jamie Penning is the resident the House of Mario Pokemon uh, card expert. 
Uh, Bryce and I usually refer to uh, Jamie. He's uh, also made us a Facebook chat where he updates us on all the new happenings in the uh, the Pokemon TCG world. So, buddy, I assume you're going to be sitting out for this one, so we won't take too long. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll go. Uh, I'll go do some. Uh Refill uh, that cup of tea. <laughs> that's, that's right, yes. <laughs> Go and boil the kettle for this one, buddy. All right, <laughs> all right so over the um, last week, the Pokemon company has announced a brand new Pokemon TCG uh, pack comm- uh, commemorating the past 25 years of the Pokemon franchise. So the article reads, Today, the Pokemon Company International announced the Pokemon TCG Celebration Collection to celebrate 25 years of Pokemon. Across nine different products, celebrations will showcase beloved characters from the Pokemon franchise, as well as popular card artwork and gameplay mechanics spanning the history of the Pokemon TCG, such as a base set Charizard. Um, in addition to in addition, promo cards uh, included in celebration products will combine recently discovered Pokemon with popular forms of previous Pokemon TCG packs, um, such as Light Pokemon, Delta Species, uh, Delta Species Pokemon, and Pokemon Star. Uh, trainers can com- commemorate Pokemon's 25th year anniversary of celebrations when it launches starting October 8th, 2021 at participating retailers worldwide. So there's a there's a few products coming out. So there's a Dragapult Prime collection. There's Lance's Charizard V and Dark Sylveon V collections. Uh, there's a pin set collection. There's uh, Celebrations Elite Trainer Box Celebrations Mini Tin, Celebrations Pokemon Collection with a Pikachu V Union, which looks really cool. It comes with a figure, which I'm actually kind of most excited about because um, I've, I've had to dip out of Pokemon cards. I've had enough. Um, well, my, my wallet's had enough. I don't know if I've had enough, but my wallet has. And um, there's a, a Ultra Premium Collection, a Collector's Chest. So there's plenty of stuff that the Pokemon company is trying to uh, dig your uh, cash out of your credit card with nostalgia for the 25th year anniversary. But... Jamie, what do you think of all this stuff? Um, are you excited about it? Are you happy to see some of these um, old mechanics and Pokemon coming back to the game? And uh, is your wallet safe? Are you a bit concerned about your credit card? And are you thinking about how you're going to um, pay all this stuff off? Because you know, looking at it, looking at this, I'm like, oh, Lance's Charizard V. I wouldn't mind that. That sounds pretty good. I like Lance. Oh, Dark Sylveon. That sounds pretty cool. All that that V Max Pikachu figure looks pretty nice. But next minute, you're trying to collect the whole set. Next minute, you're trying to get the shiny Charizard. Next minute, you're like, I could have bought a lot of stuff. I could have paid off some bills. I could have really, really afforded my life. But all I've got are these multiple bits of cardboard that are valueless at the moment. And that, that's the position <laughs> I found myself in. So I'm, I personally am just like looking at this being like, I'll, I'll buy the Pikachu one. I'll see if I can get some nice cards out of it. But I'm not going to go crazy with it. I went really... Uh, Balls to the wall, trying to get this uh, shiny Charizard V Max and Shining Fates. We had a lot of fun doing the pack openings and stuff, but um, yeah, giving Pokemon cards a bit of a rest so I can actually um, spend my um, income on uh, video games and other stuff that isn't just paper. But um, Jamie, <laughs> that, that's fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> so, what, what do you think of all this uh, uh, stuff that's been announced for the Pokemon cards? This this is really exciting. Like it's twenty fifth anniversary of Pokemon. Um, having this set out, it it harkens back to when they had a twentieth anniversary when they brought out generations as a set for the twentieth anniversary. So now we've got celebrations for the twenty fifth anniversary, and just seeing all like the old versions of new cards 
like you've got your your light toxicity, so that harkens back to the Neo era, which was Gen two. You got your Delta species, which harkens back to Gen three. You, then you got your your level X, so Zashin level X that harkens back to Diamond and Pearl, and then you got your Prime cards, which harken back to the Heart Gold Soul Silver series. But seeing all these, so there's going to be just over 45 cards in the main set, and then there's going to be a subset within it with about 25 cards. And the packs themselves only come with four cards in them each. So it, uh, there's going to be a lot, a lot of demand for this set. Like these people are going to go crazy over the set, and this, this set is going to be so hard to get. If you want to get anything out of this set, you will want to pre-order most definitely the first opportunity it comes out because otherwise you're going to really struggle to get like some of the high-end products like the Pikachu V Union box, which is going to have the Pikachu on four different cards. That's going to be quite sought after, especially if people decide to get the four cards in the set graded together and have them sequential, have a sequential set for all four um, Union cards, the figure collection with the Pikachu VMAX, that's got the Gigantamax Pikachu with the packs as well. That's also going to look really nice if you want to keep it sealed and have it in the box or just have it out, have it on display, and then you've got your packs in there as well. Uh, the other thing that's also exciting is the Ultra Premium Collection. Yes, it is going to be the most expensive part of the collection. However, it does come with two commemorative metal cards featuring Base Set Pikachu and Base Set Charizard. It also comes with a special gold version of Pikachu V, a gold version of Pokeball card. It also comes with Charizard and Pikachu and Apple Pins, one anniversary themed metal coin. It comes with 17 Celebrations four-card packs and eight additional packs from the um, from the previous set. So it'll probably be from uh, Base Sword and Shield all the way up to Evolving Skies. So, yeah, as I said, this this is going to be so sought after. People are going to want their piece of this. And my my credit card, I'm always worried about my credit card because <laughs> I'm trying not to use it. But, um, like, I might pick up one of these. Not sure what I would pick up just to say oh, I've got cards from this set like I did with Hidden Fates. Like I, I bought a tin because couldn't couldn't, you couldn't find tins anywhere for Hidden Fates. So I eventually found one, opened it up, yep, had my fill of it. And then when it got to the stage where people uh, are selling the tins for, you know, upwards of $80, $80 a tin, I was, when you found them at $40, it's like, all right, I've got an art set now, put it aside, have it sit there for X number of years and we'll sell it off down the track. But, yeah, you, if you... Want to have a piece of the 25th anniversary? This is definitely going to be the set for you, uh, especially if you want to grab some of the um, the featured promos, like your Greninja Star from your um, Elite Trainer box, or if you just simply want to pick up one of the um, out of the three pack blisters. If you want to get like a Hydreigon C, or if you want to get a Mimikyu Delta species. Or even if you if you're a big Charizard fan, you can always go for the Lancer's Charizard V box, and that way you've got your Charizard, you've got packs, you might get a base set Charizard. Who knows? Ooh, so yeah. so obviously it's not the base set Charizard, but mm. to have a version that 
that looks like it, then that's appealing to a lot of people. So, um, yeah, if you want to have something from the 20th anniversary, definitely looking look at pre-ordering something when it becomes available. So uh, when, say, EB Games, EB Games is definitely, or Zing is definitely your best bet uh, in Australia if you want to pre-order when they actually get the information about the set. Um, otherwise, if you're going to try and get it on the day when it comes out, you probably going to struggle because the definitely. stock is going to be very limited. Yeah. Yeah. No, you definitely need the pre-order for this. So I will pre-order the, uh, the Pikachu V union. So I get the, the special collection. Um, you'll talk, you're talking about what's in the ultra premium collection. I'm like, well, oh, that sounds really expensive because you're getting so much in that. There's no way that's going to be like a, a two, even a two hundred dollar thing. I don't know how much that's going to cost, and we won't. I, re- I reckon it's probably going to be around that that one hundred eighty two hundred because the uh, the US pricing at the moment is one hundred and twenty. Uh, comes out October twenty two, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's definitely going to be the priciest uh, collection. But it's also going to be one of those ones that you could either keep sealed and put away, and it's it's not going to depreciate in value it will appreciate in value especially when it comes up to next lot of anniversaries say like mm. your um your 30th anniversary in 2026 like all these generation all these like anniversary stuff yeah people people want this people want these products so to have especially um i think probably the nicest the nice ones that are going to be uh to get out of this will probably be the the Pikachu V Max figure collection, which comes with your uh your it comes with your little statue of Pikachu um Gigantamax Pikachu. It comes with your V Max Pikachu promo card. Uh, it also comes with a Pikachu V card, eight celebrations packs, and three additional packs. So that's going to be one that's probably going to be looking good, and especially also the Pikachu V Union box where you've got the They've recently uh, showed the Mewtwo um, V Union and the Zacian V Union cards, where they've got the four separate cards that make up one whole picture of a card. So mm. to see uh, Pikachu V Union in those four cards is actually, yeah, it's going to stand out to everyone. So they're the two that I'm looking that um, that are probably going to be the ones that are going to be sought after along with the ultra premium collection and probably likely the elite trainer box and the, um, the Charizard V and the Sylveon <laughs> V boxes. So a lot of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Def- it's going to be very sought after. And as I said, you need to pre-order otherwise you, you, you're probably going to miss out and you're going to have to wait until they get more stock. And even then you'll have to pre-order on the next lot of stock. So it's it's secu- if you want to get this, you need to secure it as soon as you can when they when um, the shops get the info, and then that way you are pretty much secured your spot. Yeah, well, just just like talking about it now, I've just got the itch. Like I've got that itch. Like it's a serious problem. I've never <laughs> I've never had a drinking problem. Never had a problem with drugs. <laughs> you know, I've been pretty good. But I think I've met my match, everyone. I think I've met my match. It's Pokemon cards. They're fun to open, but when you're like, oh yeah, when the when I'm looking for that Charizard, I'm like, I really want it, and it's not there, it's not there. Then all of a sudden, I'm like, you know what? Spend a bit of money here. Oh god, 
Then you look. That's why. I've, <laughs> that's why I've gone online because it's now. It's just like, yep, I I don't have the money to buy cards anymore. I can't afford to do that. So, it's just yeah. I will open packs online. I will play with the online game. I feel I feel like I'm pretty good at it now. I've got a few decks going around, and also you don't ruin your cards. Yeah. You got all those cards <laughs> that put away, all all protected in sleeves and top loaders, and it's like, yep, there's my little collection there. And online, you can get all the the fancy cards you want and you're not going to wreck them because they're digital. <laughs> yeah, I um I pulled the shiny uh shiny Charizard G-Max on digital card game. I'm like that'll do. I put like 200 codes into my account. I borrowed some off uh, some other people that weren't going to use them and I pulled it. I'm like that'll do. That's my <laughs> that's my experience. But um, moving on to some other Pokemon news. So this isn't from the Pokemon company itself, but the Pokemon company, they're, uh, they're settling a, a Pokemon lawsuit from a Pokemon Sword and Shield leak back in 2019. So this is from Polygon and the article reads, the Pokemon company has settled its November 2019 lawsuit against two Pokemon Sword and Shield leakers, according to court documents filed Tuesday. The company filed the lawsuit in 2019 after photos of an unreleased Pokemon Sword and Shield strategy guide was published online before the game's release. The defendants are required to pay the Pokemon company $150,000 in damages and the attorney's fees. When the Pokemon company first uh, filed the lawsuit, it only had screenshots of the guides posted into a Discord chat. Throughout the lawsuit, the Pokemon company discovered that one of the two defendants took the photos while employed at the company that was hired to print the strategy guide. The second defendant then shared these photos on Discord, uh, from which they were spread to a worldwide audience. The Pokemon company said in the original complaint, um, the photos uh, revealed features uh, that weren't... Sorry, the photos revealed features that weren't seen before, like Gigantamax forms of certain Pokemon. The, comp- the Pokemon company said that uh, uh, said in that complaint that it uh, redacted swiftly to the leaks, including issues uh, issuing takedowns takedown requests across the internet. These weren't the only leaks, however. Uh, before and after these images were available online, a Portuguese website published a series series of leaks that had since gotten the site blacklisted by Nintendo. Uh, video from the game too was posted to the internet. A hashtag uh, game, game freak lied begun, tre- begun tr- trending in America in response to these leaked images and video. Leading up to the game's release, players had been angry with the company over po- uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield's lack of a national decks. Uh, don't have to worry about that. That's uh, behind us. Let's forget about that. And in 2019, following the Pokemon Sword and Shield's release, the game leaked again, specifically the beta version of the game. Hackers said that the leak was sourced from a Nintendo breach in 2018. So we uh, we talked about this a while ago that the Pokemon company was suing uh, some leakers. And I remember when this came out too, this was uh, pretty big for the Pokemon community when uh, these photos from a strategy guide came out. This is how we found out about Gigantamax Machop and a lot of the Gigantamax forms that weren't yet revealed. And it was a little bit of a shame because uh, the previous Pokemon games, Pokemon Sword and no, Pokemon uh, Sun and Moon, uh, they pretty much announced everything those games had to offer before they actually released. So they're a lot more conservative with uh, Sword and Shield, but they didn't. They ended up getting leaked anyway, which was a little bit of a shame. But um, I don't know how I feel necessarily. I don't feel like these guys 
um, was such big assholes that they decide that they need a $150 lawsuit to be uh, put against them. But it's what happens. Don't, don't muck around with leaking people's shit if you can't cover it up well enough. But buddy, what do you, uh, what do you think of this? Do you reckon the big bad boys that need to need their smack on the bum or you just, uh, Nintendo are just ruthless. Good luck. You know, soldier <laughs> boy found that out. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's just, uh, showing their, uh, big Nintendo energy and, uh, just sending a message to everyone else. Uh, if you think about leaking our stuff, don't because you will also feel the wrath of Nintendo. Yeah, there's plenty of there's plenty of leaks and that out there, but some people are really good at covering it up. But if you're just going to post it on Discord, it'd be very easy to track it back down to the original source, especially if you work there. I think um, that's probably a big no-no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when you're trace when you're traceable, it's it's just it's just stupid and dumb. Like yeah. yuck. <laughs> what about you, Jamie? Yeah, they they just yeah. I don't know what made them think to do this. Like it's just really stupid what they did, like, I didn't pay attention to the leaks. I tried to block out as much as I could have Sword and Shield before its release. Mm -hmm. And I did that pretty successfully. Like, I thought Inteleon was an Eevee evolution until I actually saw it. And I was like, oh, it's actually the Evolve starter. But um, (laughs) the Pokemon has had quite a bit of history with this now where the, the game, the last few games have leaked, like, quite badly. Like, uh, Amiga Ruby and Alpha Sapphire they had the whole game in the demo and people data mined it to basically get the whole game out. And yeah, then that was, um, so, that was actually sun and moon. They, um, oh, was it? It was the whole Pokedex got leaked. Like every single new Pokemon, mm-hmm. their 3d models yeah. and everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure also that the, the Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire were also, um, data mined as well. So probably it's, did. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's getting to the point where you can't, avoid it you just got to be careful with what you put out there into into the community like Mm. you um especially with demos and that now you always have to make a separate game to put your demo in and and have your actual game um to to be working on for release so yeah they're just gonna keep doing this like People are going to want to find out the information, especially when Sword and Shield was so controversial in that in those few months before release. It um, just people want to know stuff. If they're going to if they want to know stuff, they're going to find it. Uh, and then it's up to them whether they want to distribute it out and take the risk, and in this case, get punished for it, um, or if they're going to keep it to themselves and then go, "Hey, I know this. I'm not going to share it with the rest of the world. I'm just going to." Uh, blow it up on release day. It's like, look, here it all is. And it's just like, uh, okay, you just spoiled it for me. So, yeah, it's going to keep happening and Nintendo's going to keep having to crack down on it. It's just how they go forward with the security of their data and what they actually output to us as people who play the games as to um, the security with the amount of data in that particular little demo that they that little taste that they're going to give us before its actual release. Yeah, and I I think that for the next Pokemon game, we're definitely not going to get a strategy guide on day one. 
<laughs> no, they're gonna get. It, it'll be like a, it'll be like about no three months after, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, when the game comes out, like, now nah, you can have the information to write the strategy guide. Yeah. Um, just uh, as we finish up our Pokemon talk here, this is just a, a bit of a PSA for this weekend. But um, Pokemon Go Community Day will be happening this weekend on uh, the third of July, and it's uh, the featured Pokemon will be Tepig. So you can be able to get a shiny Tepic. They'll be introducing that to Pokemon Go, that particular shiny. So I will be out there catching Tepic, which should be a lot of fun. Tepic's a cool little Pokemon, so I'd like to get some shiny. So just a bit of a heads up if you're a Pokemon Go player. Or even if you're not a Pokemon Go player, it's a good way to uh, catch some shinies, put them into your Pokemon home, and be able to use them in a future Pokemon game. All right, so let's move on. Let's talk about some Mario Golf Super Rush sales. And basically in the UK, it's the uh, number one game, which has actually taken number one position away from Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. And over the last couple of weeks, I, um, I've been playing Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart and I think it is awesome. And buddy, I know you've played this one. I think you've played this one. I assume you have. Be good, be I, got the plat- I got the platinum. We got the platinum. Good boy, good boy. I absolutely Not love... surprising. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I love... Love this game. Um, I'll, I I want to go back and play through just the uh, the new game plus mode. I've I've got the platinum trophy, all that type of thing. But I thought it was just so much fun, and I haven't played a game like that in a long time, which is just pure pure fun. Especially on say like a PlayStation console, where I think like you know I'm playing like The Last of Us, Ghost of Tsushima, like a lot of these fantastic games, but they're not like uh, fun and gameplay first necessarily, but. Yeah, absolutely love it. So, did you enjoy it too, buddy? Easily one of the games of the year. If it wasn't for Returnal, um, Housemark, one of my favorite studios, then mm-hmm. yeah, Ratchet and Clank would be up there with my game of the year uh, easily. So, um, yeah, just to, just what you summed up there, fun. It's just that kind of I just felt like while I was playing it, I was just smiling a lot. <laughs> um, it looks gorgeous, and yeah, Rivet as a a riveting character, um, and I, <laughs> I really liked. Really liked her kind of uh, story arc in it and as well, probably even a little bit more than Ratchet. But, um, yeah, it didn't overstay its welcome. It's like a good length game and uh, everything in it was, um, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. It's def- it's in the running for my game of the year too. I really enjoyed it. I think everything feels so much fun and just like how it used the PlayStation 5 just with its new power. Like there's so many enemies, obviously the, the whole uh, – mechanic of the game is going through uh, different portals to different dimensions and while it didn't use that mechanic a whole lot there's only like a certain few instances in the game where you have true control over the character and you do jump between worlds simultaneously i thought it was just really fun and a lot of that stuff hasn't been possible before necessarily on say playstation 4 or switch or whatever came before it so absolutely love it i just uh, wanted that as a bit of excuse to to bring that up and i am a little (laughs) bit Obviously, like a brand new game like uh, Mario Golf, it's, it's it's obviously doing very well. Like heaps of people on my friends list and Twitter and that have bought the game, are playing the game. But I would like to see Ratchet and Clank stay up there. I think it's important that Sony keep these games in mind more often. But it's not just uh, big cinematic experiences that uh, big cinematic experiences that are taking the um, most of the limelight from their studios. Because yeah, I think uh, yep. like just Returnal um, from Housemark and. These uh, experiences that uh, that Sony are putting out is just um, really important, just to uh, diverse uh, diversify their portfolio. Yeah, falling on the words a little bit there. All right. <laughs> so, um, what else we got here? All right. So let's uh, 
let's move on to the last sort of uh, topic I want to touch on today. So uh, this week, Nintendo 64 launched and it turns 25 years old this week. And I just want to say, like, share some of our big Nintendo 64 memories over the past. Uh, Buddy Watson has been on an episode before where we talked a lot about Nintendo 64. So if you want to go and check that one out, that will be um, back in the podcast feed somewhere. Can't remember exactly what episode it was, but um, <laughs> Jamie, we'll start with you. Some of your Nintendo 64 moments, whether it's at home, at friends' places. Maybe you're a big bad boy and you've been uh, emulating the games on your computer and that's uh, that's your experience <laughs> of the games. Who knows? But uh, what are some of your um, notable memories from the system? Well, I've actually got my Nintendo 64, my original Nintendo 64, with me in my house at the moment. So it's all very exciting that I've actually got it now. I end up having to buy a new power supply for it because the other one had pre- pretty much died. It had no power in it. So to be able to, and I've got an old CRT as well sitting in the garage so I can plug it in, play it. I've got all my, haven't tried all my games yet, but I've got um, a few to work so far. Um, and just going through all the old stuff and seeing what works, what doesn't. Like I've, I've got um, a couple of, Got a few controllers there, and the stick's a bit sticky. It's just it's not really working properly. The Z trick is a bit and doesn't quite work on another one. So I'm having I'm looking forward to actually going through and digging it all out and trying it all again, seeing what works. But for me, like playing with my brother, playing two player and a lot of Nintendo sixty four games, it's it is my favourite console, at, from apart from Switch, because uh, with Switch, like it, it's allowed to bring like the AAA games of Nintendo out of the house, so I can actually play them <laughs> wherever I want. Whereas the 64, it holds a lot of memories for me, like it, from my uh, from my childhood. From I think we got it in '97, um, just getting all the playing all the games, going down to the video store, hiring. Um, 64 games like we borrowed from we borrowed Mario Tennis, Mario Golf, Pokemon Puzzle League, uh, Paper Mario, just the games that you you couldn't always buy the games. Like yeah, um, we were only kids back then, so um, we and Zelda Ocarina of Time. Like that's how I got introduced to Zelda was through um, was through the Nintendo 64, and it's really fleshed out a lot of series for me that I now follow today. Um, and also, like, yeah, the 64 was very, it was a very much a multiplayer. It was that first thing where you had four, con- four spots for four controllers. Um, I remember going over to a friend's place and playing with him and his brother and his dad. We all played Mario Party. Um, and that was always a lot of fun. Um, and even... Games like you, your Super Mario 64, your Donkey Kong 64, Diddy Kong Racing, uh, Lilat Wars, or Star Fox 64 for people out, out in the US, <laughs> and Yoshi Story, and just even like other games like your Golden Eyes, your, um, just a lot of Rareware titles, your Banjo-Kazooie, and there's just so much to it that... Um, while it wasn't the most successful console uh, for 
because it was competing with the PlayStation at the time, the it certainly brought a new aspect to gaming, and it was was often the forefront uh, for new mechanics uh, and and new ways to play games. So the the Nintendo sixty four is uh, it is a very special console to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh- yeah. I remember when I was a kid, uh, just I just I didn't have any friends with a PlayStation, and I just always assumed that so many people like just didn't have one. So when when I found out that the PlayStation sold like a hundred million units and the Nintendo sixty four sold thirty million, I'm like, holy shit! <laughs> kind of blew my mind because I knew like one person with a PlayStation one, and I know ten people with yeah. a Nintendo sixty four. Um, I, yeah. I, I never had one as a kid growing up. I always went to my friends' places, all my friends that had a Nintendo 64 and a PlayStation 2. So I just played those two systems at friends' places. And the, uh, the game that really captured me the most was Mario 64. I loved going to friends' places and just jumping around, mucking around, like passing the controller after losing a life and going for all the stars together. I thought it was absolutely awesome. And it's one of those games that really does hold a massive amount of nostalgia for me. And uh, whenever I try to get people to play, I'm like, you got to play Mario 64. It's awesome. Uh, so many people, even 10 years ago, were just, just said to me, oh, it's just, it's dated too bad. The graphics, the, the gameplay, the camera angles, you know what? I, I can understand that, but man, it's such a shame that uh, that, that game in particular was a, maybe a product of its time and that people are going to miss it because it really did have so much personality, so much character, and just the the way they brought the Mushroom Kingdom to life, just having you be able to explore it. Similar to what I talked about Mario Tennis at the start of the episode, it's just done so much for the character of Mario, being you able, giving you the ability to actually explore that world. It was absolutely awesome. But um, a lot of other games I've enjoyed too, Mario Kart 64, Super Smash Brothers, a lot of great ones. But I'll pass it on to Buddy. Buddy, you had a pretty unique experience being... Um, having your grandparents own a video game store, and we talked about it on the episode uh, a few weeks ago, or a month ago, or I, I honestly can't remember. Times times goes, uh, it's going quick, buddy. April, back in April. Was it April? Holy shit! Was it that long ago? <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. Um, I won't go too much into it because uh, I speak a lot about it back then, but um, I definitely agree on your um opening up Mario character and not just the Mario games. Like you said, you had your Mario party, tennis, your golf, all that kind of stuff. And really exploring that kind of uh, Mario as a franchise, not just the super Mario 64, even though like you were saying, that was for me, that was one of the revolutionary titles. And thanks to my nan and pop owning that um, game store. I got to play that on an imported Japanese 64 before it kind of came out here. So um, that was a little bit of a unique experience for me. And I agree with everything that you said, Jamie, as well. Like, um, it really, the Nintendo 64 really holds a special place in my heart and in my gaming journey as well. Not just because my nan and pop owned that store at the time and had access to a bunch of titles, but I really feel that that kind of what you were saying before about the the rareware titles and how special they were and how many hits that they had, and um, and then the multiplayer aspect of the 64 with the four controller ports without having to use like a a multi tap or anything. Um, yeah, just kind of really changed the game, and specifically for GoldenEye, which is probably one of my favorite games of all time, and and uh, how that kind of opened up and uh, changed some of the first-person uh, 
experiences and and that multiplayer experience as well so um yeah i loved a lot of those titles that you just mentioned before jamie um even to the more obscure ones like snowboard kids and snowboard kids 2 and all that kind of stuff so uh yeah it's it's definitely one of my favorite consoles even though i'm a playstation fanboy <laughs> um and now and gone through all the playstation consoles i've got a64 behind me i just need a power adapt a power unit for it um, which I'm thinking I might might get at some stage and uh, delve back into some 64 titles. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just I feel like it's one of these – it's either if you had one and you grew up with it, it's definitely, like, an amazing console. But if you didn't and you kind of bypass it, I feel like it's the ugly stepchild that is kind of uh, a little bit underrated and doesn't get the kind of, you know, due, due that it's kind of warranted. So. Mm. How do you feel? It's also, it's also, it's a, sorry, Drew. It's, okay. it's also that first um, realization in 3D for most Nintendo properties. Like you're seeing Mario move around in a 3D space, mm. and you got your Zelda with your Z targeting and using that to free roam sort of around enemies, and even like Pokemon bringing them up into 3D for the first time. Yeah. Like it was bringing a lot of things into a completely different space and from you can notice a difference from when they started at the beginning of the n64 life cycle towards the end just how much of an improvement they had made uh on on playing with those new newly um vision 3d graphics and an ocarina of time blew me away because you know as much as super mario 64 blew me away and you know i could kind of just pick that up and play it uh, anytime I wanted to. Now, if it was on a 64, I'd, I'd, I'd love that from muscle memory, same as Goldeneye. But A Link to the Past is my favorite game of all time. I don't think that will ever really change. It could be challenged by a few different titles here or there. But, um, you know, my favorite game ever turned into a 3D experience in Ocarina of Time. It just kind of, it just wowed me. Um, that was That was a moment, like getting out of the lost... Uh, mm. Is it the Lost Woods the, for the first time, or yeah, uh, that first village in Ocarina of Time, Kakira? Yeah, uh, oh, no, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not sure. Yeah, I think it's the Lost Woods. Yeah, yeah. In. yeah. But getting out into that kind of yeah, it's almost that Breath of the Wild moment where you get into Hyrule Field for the first time. It's mm. like wow, this is huge. And even though you go back now, it's like okay, it's it's not anything really. Um, but at the time, the, it, the scale felt enormous. Also. Power supply on eBay, $25. Go on and get it. So yeah, yeah, I, I've, I've got to pull the trigger. You're right. Yeah, yeah, because that's what I did with mine when I found out that my power <laughs> supply died. I'm like, I need to get a new. I got an aftermarket one for 25 bucks, and it, yeah, and it works awesome. just fine. So, yeah, definitely get on it and start start living the retro life. Yeah, I'll pull the Z trigger. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you guys think of the controller uh, these days? So. Back in the day, I guess it was the the standard thing. You're used to it. It's how it is. But after having multiple iterations of modern controllers from the GameCube controller to PlayStation controllers, Xbox 360, you know, we've had a lot of great controllers since then. Uh, what do you think of the placement of um, the triggers, the analog stick, obviously that D-pad all the way to the left, which uh, no one ever touches? Um, what do we think it's of it? Just, <laughs> it's just a misunderstood controller. Like in, in, in sixty four is is a really good controller. Yes, the the control stick does eventually get to the point where it does start to do the drift that people now see in Joy Cons. But <laughs> um, like you just had your two hands. You either had your left hand in the middle and your hand on the right, or you had your hand on the left and your hand on the right. So you either 
played games with the stick or you played games with the control pad, depending on what sort of game it was. So, like, it's when people, you know, especially people who haven't grown up with the N64 see the, see the controller, they think, oh, I, 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 how on earth did you play with that sort of thing? You don't have three hands. Like, how, how, how do you do it? And it's like, well, just some games are meant to be played in the middle and the right. Other games are on the left and the right. So it just came down to your experience with it. Like, the N64 controller is not a bad controller. Yes, you can look at the current day controllers and you think, like, probably the, the Xbox Elite 2 controller is probably one of the, what I hear was probably one of the best con- controllers around. And the, now the PS5's DualSense is definitely one, probably one of the more immersive experiences now with the controller. But if you think back to the back in the day, we didn't have all that. Like we just had whatever was whatever was given us into the hand. You just worked it out, and that's what you did. You didn't really have any guides or anything to go. Oh, you just read the you read the instruction booklet. It's like oh, you hold it like this. You play the buttons like this. Yep, no problem. These days, it's like oh, it's you have two hands. You have two sides. Yep, that's how you hold it. That's all the controller is. You get these little little quirks with different controls depending on what you're playing but that's about it it's sort of it's got that uniqueness that i think some controllers now have sort of lost the um like i, I suppose the, the now the ps5's dual sense is probably going back to that uniqueness where it's actually got that haptic feedback it's got all those those different things that actually make a gaming more immersive so it's it's getting back to having that unique controller and i think yeah going back to the 64 it's it's of its time it's you you read the instruction booklet you get you play it as it's intended to rather than looking at the controller and going how on earth do i play this mm. yeah and like that controller it feels so weird playing say mario 64 on the switch in the uh, 3d all stars collection it feels odd playing that on, say, like a normal control scheme these days, just on the stick and controlling the C buttons with the the right stick. It just it feels wrong. So there's definitely um, there's definitely some examples of the developers really utilizing that Nintendo 64 controller to the point where putting it on just a more standard, even more comfy controller feels a bit awkward, which is um, maybe a bit and of a it- testament to it in some ways. But um, mm. yeah. <laughs> and even even like if you if if you grab an N sixty four controller, and it's actually quite light. It feels flimsy. Like you could toss it, and it would like fall into a million pieces. But mm. if you if you put like the rumble pack in the back, mm. like it actually made it beefy. It made it more like a solid controller. It made it like something. Oh, yep, I f- this this feels really good. So it um, I, s- I suppose like. Your controls that feel flimsy, you'd think, oh, they're they're not really going to function very well. But as soon as you put a bit of, like, put something in it to make it feel a bit more beefy, then it's sort of like, oh, yeah, this feels good now. So I can understand if people haven't got, like, a rumble pack to plug in the back, that grabbing a 64 controller feels really weird because it just feels very light and there's just, like, nothing to it. But, um like these days, like the Joy-Cons, they, it feels like there's nothing to it. Whereas you grab a pro controller and yeah, it's, it feels like you're, you've got a controller in your hand, but yeah, it's sort of like, again, it's 
product of its time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely a product of its time. Um, buddy, what do you think? A Nintendo 64 controller with a rumble pack in it is just one of my favorite controllers ever. Um, it's impossible to play Super Mario 64 reboot on a Switch because, uh, first of all, I think the timing is off by a tiniest of bit from the, the muscle memory playing 64, and it just doesn't have the same feel and vibe of playing with a 64 controller. Uh, the 64 controller was perfect for the games that were developed for the 64 controller. <laughs> um, mm. So I can see why a lot of people don't really like it. Like, it looks ugly. It looks like, you know, top down, it looks like a diagram of, like, a, a, a woman's reproductive <laughs> organ. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, it, it it feels perfect. Like, you just grab it in the one hand from the middle middle stick, and the, and the Z trigger underneath, I think, was great. Um, and even the, the C buttons at the time controlling the camera was, was quite good as well, even though that was kind of surpassed a year later with the, the, the first kind of, um, iteration of the DualShock. But yeah, I, I love the Nintendo 64 controller. There's a lot of nostalgia there. I think if you weren't there, then it, it is definitely trash. And even a lot of the games, if you play there and you weren't there at the time and playing them, they do not hold up well. Like you play Golden on now, it's, it's, it's no good. But um, if you were there at the time and you have that muscle memory and using the C sticks, like the C left and C right to strafe and um, the Z trigger underneath, I guess for your first person shooters like Golden Eye and uh, Perfect Dark. And even Mario 64 with using that as like your crouch kind of your, long jump button um as like a modifier it, it was really really good and, and quite quite well worked so i think the nintendo 64 controller gets too much flack and i think it's uh one of the better controls especially taking into consideration the games that it was uh, made for that zeg trigger was probably one of the things that um made it stand out from say like the playstation because it had that button on the back and it was just right yes. on the index finger where it's just yeah. like yep yeah, it is so comfortable whereas Sort of, you've only had recently, uh, I think the PlayStation 4 had that um, back button attachment mm. at one point. Which I loved it. Yeah, it sort of, it gives um, extra experience to what you're playing because you're not just using the buttons on the front, you're using the buttons on the back as well. So it it gives that, that different sort of feel and different, um, like, customization for your games that successfully, yeah, like you said, with Mario 64, you can use it crouch and you can do whatever you want with that and it doesn't affect what you're doing with the rest of your hand mm. it felt great to shoot an item or shoot a gun or do all that kind of stuff with uh, mm. with a z trigger yeah one of my favorite buttons not just controllers buttons the z button <laughs> the z button yep listen put it down buttons. in history as the best the best button <laughs> yeah doing like the long long jumps in mario 64 was really satisfying with that button i think um that's definitely the most satisfying way of doing long jumps in maybe any Mario game. Uh, I guess I guess like the um, the nunchuck on the Wiimote for Mario Galaxy has a similar feel to that uh, that trigger um, mm. on there. It has a similar feel, but it's not quite the same. So I would say that, yeah, it feels extremely satisfying to be doing long jumps and all that type of thing in that game especially. Obviously, Z-targeting is a big thing too in Ocarina of Time. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right, guys, let's uh, let's move into some Redcoin recommendations and then we'll dive into some questions and open it up for some of our audience. So I know uh, Metadox and DJ are in here, so whether they want to jump in, that's up to them. The doors are open, but um, let's jump into the House Mario Redcoin recommendations. 
Alrighty, guys. So the first one's pretty obvious. It's Mario Golf Super Rush. We've talked a lot about it, so we don't have to go too much into it. But it's 80 bucks Australian on the Nintendo eShop. So go and get it if that sounds like something that's fun to you. Um, next up is a game that uh, is pretty exciting, but it's came to Nintendo Switch. It's Tiny Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2. So this is $70 Australian on the eShop. And it looks pretty good on Switch. The gameplay looks like it's translated from Xbox and PlayStation quite well. Um, but it's taken a massive graphical hit, especially if you compare it to the brand new versions on PlayStation 5 and Series X. But I reckon it's a really cool game to have portably to be able to do the arcade um, sort of free roam mode and all that. So I've been looking at it on YouTube and stuff, people playing it. Um, it looks really good. Just, yeah, if you're looking for, like, the nice graphical polish, you're not going to get it so much. And uh, last but not least that stood out to me was Alex Kidd in Miracle World DX. And I don't know a whole lot about this game, but I've uh, sort of um, been seeing it pop up online. So I'm going to read the summary and we'll um, just dive into it. So the iconic Alex Kidd is back. Jump straight back into Miracle World and experience it like you've never seen before. Complete with new HD graphics, gameplay improvements, and animations. Rediscover all levels from the original game, as well as brand new levels which expand the lore and story behind Alex Kidd. Destroy the evil Jack and... and, and <laughs> Jack and the Great? And rescue the people of... Uh, Rad Radixon once and for all. Don't mind if I do. Uh, the world needs a hero. What are you waiting for? Relive legendary rock, paper, scissors battles with boss rush mode. Get ready for non-stop boss action in boss rush mode. Take the legendary Gusik, eh? Koneka, and Prapolin, and Jack and the Great in a non-stop bash road. All right. I don't know what's going on in this game. <laughs> <laughs> so cool, cool. I know this is like hey, can a... I, uh, can I make a recommendation? You can. Uh, it was released last week, June 22nd. Um, it was Lego Builder's Journey. It's okay. um, a port from an iOS and Mac game. Uh, it's on Switch and now PC. Um, it looks super cathartic, kind of like a top-down, similar to like your Captain Toad type perspective. Um, it's I know of this because I want it, I want it to come to PlayStation. Um, but yeah, I definitely think it's one that shouldn't be overlooked. It looks like a little, real little cool puzzle with a little uh, Lego type uh, building and puzzle solving. So, um, yeah, it looks fantastic. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. So I've just brought it up. Lego Builder's Journey is $30. Yep. And a story about play, connections, and adventure. Step through levels brick by brick, by brick with puzzles that sometimes ask us to follow the instructions and sometimes be creative and break the rules. Builder's Journey is a poetic puzzle that takes place in Lego brick world, brought to life with the most accurately rendered Lego elements yet to feature on screens. Be taken through the breathtaking world filled with brick by brick effects, accompanied by a beautiful soundtrack. So this looks a lot like a looks a little bit like a, say the Captain Toad levels in 3D World, not necessarily the actual um, standalone mm. treasure tracker. Yes. Um, but it, what was that other game on iOS? Um, I've played it. I've probably got it on my iPad right here, actually, if I'd search it. I can't remember. That's a shame. <laughs> I know the one you mean. You it's know what I mean, too. It, look, it looks a lot like yeah. that, which will... Anyway. But this, this one's also on... Um, it looks like it was on Apple Arcade as well. Right, yeah. So I'm actually an Apple, Apple Arcade subscriber. I should go and give that a go because there's actually a fair yeah, few... Yeah, still there. Yeah, there's a fair few uh, Lego games on there. 
So I think I might have missed it just for that reason. But buddy, that's a great recommendation. Thank you very much for bringing that up. That looks 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 really good. It's definitely a game no to um go and check out. And even like I say, even if a brand new game comes out, you're like, oh, thirty bucks. Ah, I just bought Mario Golf, and you know, don't really feel like spending more money. Just put it in your wish list. The eShop has absolutely fantastic sales. So go and check them out when you can. Um, recently, they had a pretty great sale for E3. They put on a um, big sale. I um I bought a fair few games under ten dollars on there as well, including uh, one of the Metro games that was four dollars. Uh, another Metro game also was like twelve dollars. Um, I'm keen to see how they look on Switch. Just the idea of that running on a Switch Lite is a uh, pretty mind blowing. Because <laughs> I always think like you know Tony Hawk running on Switch, it looks like crap on your TV, and you know whatever the case is, I don't think it actually looks crap on your TV. But some games look pretty um. Yeah, you know, pretty bad in the actual on on your big screen TV. But when you pick up a Switch Lite, you feel how light it feels, how small it is, and the fact like something like Witcher Three or one of these big games, it runs on it whatsoever is just always pretty impressive. Yeah, but yeah. So yeah, there are recommendations. Unless Jamie has one, he wants to chuck in. Unless he's just thinking about Mario Golf, not looking at anything else. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just having a look at the charts at the moment, and I'm. Yeah, I'm pleased to see that uh, Mario Plus Rabbit's Kingdom Battle is up there. Uh, probably wait for it to come on sale because it usually goes on sale pretty cheap. But with the announcement of, um, Stars of Hope, Sparks of Hope uh, coming in 2022, definitely have a look at playing Kingdom Battle. Uh, it is a really good title um, featuring Mario and Rabbids. If you're not a fan of Rabbids, you, you just sort of, sort of think past that. Uh, it is a splendid. It is a very splendid tactical game. Um, yeah, and definitely, uh, definitely worth setting your time in. Especially when it comes on sale. It comes on sale for like twenty, twenty-five bucks. It's definitely worth a pickup. Mm. I actually picked up the uh, Donkey Kong DLC when it was on sale. It was half price for eleven bucks. So I picked that up. Yeah. I'm looking forward to playing through that. That looks really cool. I love what they've done yeah, with I'm- the characters. Like they've in Plus Rabbits, it's just phenomenal what they've done with. Um, with the characters, just with animation and how much life they've brought to them, even from like a Nintendo franchise where, you know, they're actually quite good at it, but Ubisoft have really knocked it out of the park. It, it sort of it uh, made Nintendo think, oh, have you actually stolen our assets? Because <laughs> it, it was that good that what they'd done that, you know, it's like, okay, all right, just, just don't make him jump. Like that's, that's, that's our thing. You, <laughs> you do jump. what you want. You do, <laughs> you, you do what you want because it's really good. Just don't make him jump. If you want to make him jump, you got to do it some other way. But they hit it out of the park with Kingdom Battle, um, and Sparks of Hope is certainly going to be look like a very uh, well, uh, well successful uh, a successful title coming up in the series. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we got we got Metadox here. Actually, he's uh, listening in to the House of Mario. He's um, he's got a question about Mario Plus Rabbits. So he's put his hand up. How can I? Here we go. Here we go. Here he is. All right. Wait till he loads in. Hey, Metadox, you're on the show. How are you going, my friend? Yeah, not too bad. How are you, boys? Yeah, we're not going pretty well. Thanks, man. Well, thanks. It's good. So I just thought I'd let you know um, uh, Mario Plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle is actually on sale. It is. uh, At EB Games. If you. If you go over to their website, you can get it for $36 new or 28 pre-owned. Also, you can get that physical yeah. edition, but what what you can even get it for even cheaper on the eShop. It's uh, $15. It's 
if you want to pick up really? a nice a digital copy. Yeah, and you can get the gold edition for thirty bucks. That's a good deal. That's a very good. Well, that deal. deal might have ran out by now. It might have run out by yeah, now. Yeah, because I was just looking at it, and it's back at full price. So yeah, yeah. you missed a chance. You missed a chance. So maybe EB Games is the way to go, man. Yeah. If you EB Games is probably the way to go then. Mm. I think uh, Mario Plus Rabbids was like the first physical game I got because I wasn't that sure I was going to enjoy it. So I did get it yeah. physically in case I wanted to trade it back or whatever. But I've still got it. So I must have enjoyed it enough <laughs> not to get rid of it. It was actually the game. It was actually the first game I got with my Switch. Oh, really? Wow. Um, yeah, on my birthday. I think it was because JB Hi-Fi had a bundle thing that was cheaper to get it with a console. Yeah, that makes and sense. My parents got it for me. So Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. no, a good, good first game. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Anyway, that's all I had to say. All right. We'll, uh, we'll see you later, Meta. Thanks for calling in. Thanks for listening. See you. No problem. Catch you later, boys. Catch you later. Yeah. Yeah. Bye-bye. Oh, what a nice young man. He's a good, he's a good boy, Metadox. He's a good boy. All right. So let's move into some questions before we wrap up the show, guys. So um, good friend, Jamie Penning, uh, has uh, actually done my work for me, Jamie. Thank you very much. So you put out a, tw- a tweet saying if there's any questions people want to ask you uh, for this episode of The House of Murray, you are guesting on. And uh, a friend of the show, uh, Dane PV at Dane PV, asked three questions. And uh, we'll be able to uh, put the more broad ones to Buddy as well, since uh, Buddy did yeah. not do my job for me and ask for questions for himself. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so Dane asks, as a dad with young kids, when do you find the time to game? Uh, short answer. I don't, <laughs> um, the, the times that I get to play games, uh, during my breaks at work, uh, I, I play it in my morning tea break and at my lunch time. So if, if I, if I get the full amount of time, I probably get to spend so after I've had something to eat, I probably get to spend total of 45 minutes maybe mm. playing playing so it's 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 not too bad if i get if i get the whole lot most times it probably ends up being about 20 minutes to half an hour um at home i generally don't get to play games that often the um like my eldest girl has got a uh, 2ds excel of her own um but she, yeah she's not really quite into interested so much she's often doing other things which is fine with me like i might occasionally if we've got time i'll pull out um pull out mario kart and i've got a steering wheel for mario kart so i'll plug it into the switch and the kids like having a go at mario kart and she's pretty good at it um but generally for my gaming time unless i'm um staying up late and I can maybe play a little bit, but usually by then I'm too tired. So it's it comes down to, yeah, I'll just play it in my breaks at work. That's why I like long games because I'm going to get longevity out of, like, say, like Fire Emblem Three Houses. Like, I got nearly two years out of that to completely finish the whole thing. That's having, like, breaks in between. Mm. So I, I like my long games because they're going to last me a long time because I don't really get to play them that often anymore yeah uh buddy are you going to rub it in um being a man without kids how much uh, how much <laughs> how much gaming and free time uh you get Mate, to- as soon as we wrap up here i'm going to go play some games <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, yeah, it, it, I can imagine how how tough it would be. Um, I'm a bit of a a night owl and um, insomniac, I guess. I, I just don't sleep until like one, two. So um, a lot of my gaming happens late at night, and I, I pay for it in the mornings. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know I uh, certainly do sometimes. Like um, the other night when we were playing Mario Golf, I, you know, we finished at like one o'clock in the morning and, but I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll relax and, you know, get ready for bed. And you know, two o'clock comes, three o'clock came, four o'clock came, had a shower just to, you know, <laughs> get ready for bed. Then I went to bed at five o'clock. I'm like, holy shit. Like, I'll be honest, like my all-nighter from E3 really has fucked my sleeping schedule, like it really has. I'm never doing that again. <laughs> I'm never doing that again. Definitely having the day off after next time. I'm not doing a a full day. It's really destroyed me. Um, but um, also from Day uh, Dane PV, he asked, "How many snob on a bench do you own?" And just to add some context, when we're doing oh. our Pokemon pack battles with Shining Fates, there's a card with uh, the Pokemon Snom, and he's happily sitting on a bench. And it's quite amusing because why is Snom on the bench? Why are you on the bench, Snom? You're not a person. You don't sit on the bench. But he thinks he's people. Snom thinks he's people, and that's adorable. So it's, a, it's a personally a favorite card of myself. I've got probably a 50 of them from how many bloody packs I've opened. <laughs> but how many Snom on a bench do you have? Do you have any Snom on a bench? Are you? Uh, I actually don't know because oh. I'd have to go and I have to go and pinch my um, elite trainer box and see what I've actually got in there because I can't remember how, how many I ended up with. I think I might have ended up with probably two or three, but... It's given me, um, it's given me, yeah, it's, it's given the answer he wants. Just be like, oh, I've got millions of them. I've made a house out of my, <laughs> out of my snob. I've only opened ten. I've only opened ten packs. So I was like, eh, no, I've, I've, so I've only got maybe yeah, maybe two, maybe three. I don't know. Remember, if you don't have one, um, Drew will send you one. <laughs> yeah, I'll one. Reach out I'll, to Drew. I'll just go to my nearest <laughs> park bench and find one. Eh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> snob on a bench on a bench. Wow, what a day! What a day. <laughs> And uh, for both of you, what is your favourite game on the Nintendo GameCube? If you've uh, if you've got Ooh. one, buddy, never played the GameCube. What do you uh, think your favourite GameCube might uh, GameCube <laughs> game might be? Just <laughs> mate, if, if if I I think it might have been uh, maybe Mario Kart Double Dash. There you go. Excellent. That's a good pick. What about you, Jamie? Yeah, it's hard to pick. Like, it's got so many good titles on the GameCube, and probably if I had to pick one, uh, it's hard to pick sort of between uh, Paper Mario, Thousand Year Door, and Fire Emblem Path of Radiance. Um, both games I spent a lot of time on, mm. um, and Fire Emblem Path of Radiance was my first sort of foray into Fire Emblem. Uh, it was a game that I'd sought out for for quite a while. And I was happy to finally get it. It was my last GameCube game. And, yeah, I played a ton of it, loved it. And it, it's, I've played almost every Fire Emblem game since. So, yeah. Um, and Paper Mario, Thousand Year Door, it's just got so much charm. It's And it's always a story. It's always a game that people hark back to as, like, the... the, the the epitome of Mario RPGs, along with um, Legend of the Seven Stars on the Super Nintendo. They would say, oh, we need to go back to that that sort of Paper Mario rather than going to trying all these gimmicks like with stickers and and um, colours. And it's like, oh, mm. yeah, we're playing with 
all these gimmicks now. It's like, no, we want to go back to what it was and ha- have a very story-driven sort of RPG with a, you know, multiple characters and um, multiple partners and just, yeah, both the games, very different games, um, but they're both great. Both great games. It'll be the conversation of every single Paper Mario that comes out for the rest of the time. Oh, it's, it's fine, but it's not Thousand Year Door. Where's those RPG elements gone? Where's my leveling system? Where's the battle system gone? Oh, uh, until they until they remake it and <laughs> bring yeah. it out again. Um, for me, it'll probably be Smash Brothers Melee. I didn't have like a mm. massive amount of experience with the GameCube. Um, just because it, it didn't sell very well. None of my friends had it. They all had PlayStation 2s. But yeah. I played a lot of, um, like, obviously, Smash Brothers on Nintendo 64 and just, like, the jump to Melee, I was like, holy crap. <laughs> it blew my mind. When, yeah. Whenever I got the opportunity to play it, Bryce got a GameCube pretty late in the um, in the console's life and he borrowed uh, Melee and a few of these games and that's when I sort of uh, got an opportunity to play them and I was like, wow, look how fast it was moving compared to... 64, the graphics, the characters, like uh, the opening cut scene, I was just kind of, it kind of blew me away, even though it was years after the game came out. But um, that was uh, one of the experiences where I, it kind of really blew me away of how much uh, games have evolved and stuff like that. And I think, I think Melee too. I think I always harken back to Melee over most Smash titles because that's the amount of time, like my brother and I spent a ton of time on, on Melee. And just just the quick pace and just the mechanics are very solid. Um, and there's still tons of characters to pick from. Like, um, I hardly touch Smash these days, but um, Melee and Brawl were the two ones that I had most spent time with. And I love Melee and Brawl. Didn't get much on value out of Wii U just simply for the fact that I just hardly played it and I think I ended up putting maybe 15, 16 hours into it compared to the hundreds of hours that I put through with Melee and Brawl. But um, it's also, you know, with teenagers back when um, Melee and Brawl came out and Wii U sort of just came out at the time. It's like, I I can't debate time to this. I've got a million other things going on in my life. So, yeah, it's sort of suffered by the way. So Ultimate is cool like i i really enjoyed ultimate with my time that i played it haven't touched it for a long time but because it's sort of just it doesn't interest me to go and pick it up but um it's still i still enjoy it when i when i do play it i still enjoy it yeah i remember when the wii u game was coming out so it came out in 2014 and i remember i was i said this to bryce i said like the like smash brothers for wii u is going to be like our game we look back on in our early 20s when we're just like, we don't have as many responsibilities and we're just like catch up and playing it online or playing it together. We're going to tournaments and playing it. And like for the most part, that was the case. We really enjoyed that game. I thought what they did with the mechanics was absolutely fantastic. New characters, the look of the game, uh, the extra game modes and all that was really awesome. And they carried it over and improved on it with Ultimate. But yeah, I've got those memories. And thinking back, like to... What you said, Jamie, just, you know, you're younger, you got a lot more time to uh, put into these games, be good at them. Uh, you, like, you got your friends who are also free to play with you and come over and have those shenanigans on the weekends and stuff. It's, it is it is kind of sad thinking back because, like, all, all those times Bryce and I, I caught up for um, uh, Super Smash Brothers Brawl and stuff, it was awesome. And 
these days it's uh, not so much, not so much with Bryce with young kids and both both working and all that. But I don't know. Might have to give him a pat on the shoulder and say, hey, mate, we need to make a bit more of an effort outside the podcast to catch up because that's what it's become at the moment. We're just sort of catching up for the podcast and the rest is family and work time. But I guess it's better for nothing. I guess it's better for nothing. Yeah, and it's just you know, life life circumstances. That's it. You just you you work out your time around it. Like I mean, I don't get to play many games anymore. I don't get to buy many games anymore. So I have to deal. I have to sort of play with what I've got. And if I get something new, then it's great. If I don't, then I've still got plenty of things that I can sort of go back and go. Oh, I'll go and enjoy this again, or I'll just. Um, yeah, revisit something that you probably haven't visited for a while and try and see if you can't oh, recapture the magic, for lack of a better saying. It's going back and having a look at something that you used to play and think, let's have another go at it. Mm. Do you find that, buddy, or are you able to um, put plenty of time into gaming still? Nah, plenty of time into gaming still for me, yeah. Um, like I said, I, I, I don't go to bed until kind of kind of late so um yeah a lot of multiplayer games as well it's requiring a lot of hours like knockout city apex rocket leagues all that kind of stuff so sinking a lot into that and then jumping into the to the new games that come out every now and then and then jumping back out into my multiplayers uh when the new games are kind of done done with so yeah i, I probably game too much to be honest <laughs> i probably need to cut back and um maybe a uh do some more other stuff like maybe watch some more movies or um i guess me me and kim like kim and i still do a lot of like going out and and on dates and stuff and um going to the cinema and, and stuff like that so maybe maybe watching more movies at home we've been probably neglecting stuff that isn't as new um at the cinema so maybe maybe watch some older stuff and, and get back into that yeah cool cool it's all about whatever you enjoy whatever you're able to do without mm. sacrificing something that's all good well obviously you're sacrificing yeah. sleep but that's all right Sleep, sleep, yes. <laughs> All right, so this this one's a this one's a bit of inception here. So Buddy Watson left a question for Jamie Penning, even though Buddy Watson's also on the show. So should I put Buddy? Should I just like chuck your question straight back at you? That'll be interesting. So <laughs> what, what, I'll try and remember it, not verbatim, but I'm <laughs> I'm pretty sure it goes along the lines of. Um, what do you think Nintendo's future should be? This is for Jamie, I guess. Uh, I guess you can throw it to you, Drew. Um, I don't have to delve into it for the you know, next two hours or whatever, just quickly. But what do you what do you think Nintendo should do with their their consoles going forward? Like with the with the Pro, um, should they stick to handhelds or go back into just being a, a console and having handhelds separate and, and trying to go against PlayStation and, and Xbox in power or something or keep that differentiation? What do you, what do you think strategically? Um, I think that what they're doing with the Switch now is probably the way they should go. I would like to see them maybe make a version that is also just like dedicated to the home that does focus yep. on more of that home experience, being able to do 4K at a reasonable frame rate and all of that. What you What you would expect from your on-screen experience but also have the switch light which um does pure handheld and have that in between being the switch as well just your normal switch which is uh whatever the equivalent of the switch pro is going to be where it does run handheld games well has a up upscale uh, resolution to 4k does whatever that stuff needs to do um that is personally what i'd like to see as a say a tech enthusiast as a nintendo fan who wants the best experience on the tv the best experience as a handheld definitely don't want to see that handheld side go away 
Um, they do need to uh, develop the same games across whatever they do. Do not split it like they did with Wii U and 3DS. Um, yeah. it's, it's It just puts too much on their resources to be spreading them across two different bits of hardware, especially when one's selling really well and the other one's selling awful. Like how, how could they warrant making a Wii U game when their 3DS is selling really well and they've got a system that's selling really bad? Like we saw it that they had to split Smash Brothers across two systems to actually be happy with the sales for that. Like the 3DS version doubled the Wii U version, even though the Wii U version was the big powerhouse and probably the place you want to play Super Smash Brothers. But um, it just, it definitely wasn't the biggest seller, but they definitely need to um, keep their development um, across the same systems. But I do fear that for the casual consumer, that would be way too confusing. The reason the Switch is so popular is because they can point to it and go, that's a handheld system. You can play it on your TV. It's so simple. It's basic. Uh, anyone can understand it compared to the Wii U sort of marketing pitch, which made no sense and wasn't that compelling to start off with, to be honest. So from a marketing perspective, it does jumble things if they do move into like some different variations of a console, a handheld only, and a one between the two. So I think it probably would be best for them to stay in a different lane just with the switch, keep a, keep it moving forward, similar to what the iPad does. Not every year, but every, say, three or four years, I think that would be a great way to keep up with the more recent um, hardware, especially with gaming because unlike an iPad, a lot of people just use it for looking at YouTube, emails, just pretty basic stuff. Unless you're a power user that uses it for work, for graphic design, for video editing, but that's a very small user base. So those pro lines usually upgrade every one, two years. But for the base iPad, it just, it updates, you know, every two years, every three years, it doesn't upgrade that often. But I think for Switch being more focused on gaming, it does need to upgrade more often. So I think just from the sim- simplicity for both their development teams and their audience being casual gamers, hardcore gamers, I think they should just stick to the one Switch. But that somewhat is jumbled by the, the Switch Lite as well. But I don't think that's affected things too much. That really hasn't sold that much. Like the main Switch still is the biggest seller. So I'm not sure if that whole convoluted marketing to the casual consumer has been affected that much by an extra skew in there. But yeah, I'm happy with what they're doing. I just want to see a Switch Pro come out so we do see some improvements in loading times, frame rates, all that stuff you just expect from uh, beefier hardware. And honestly, what I've gotten really used to with PlayStation 5 and Series X, um, it's just been really nice to have those systems load up really quick and be just great consoles. But that's what I think anyway. What, what about you, Jamie? I'll chuck it on to you. Nintendo's in that sort of spot where it's like, okay, we've got this system now. Where are we going to go with it? Because we've, we've put our console and a handheld into one thing, which is great. It's appealed to a lot more audiences, both um, people who want to play at home, people who want to play on the go, and people who now have access to games wherever they want. Going forward, though, is going to be very... Yeah, we're not sure, because um, they're not competing direct... They're competing indirectly with Sony and Microsoft. But... The, the Switch is still is is still gonna sell. Like it's eighty six million now. Uh, it's gonna reach a hundred 
million pretty much by the end of the year, I would think. Um, mm-hmm. Going forward, though, I would like to see some improvements to the dock. The dock at the moment is pretty basic. If they can somehow um, make maybe have a home base for as a dock and you can put your switch into that, then you could maybe improve it somehow that way. But on the go, you, um, you've still got that um, portability. So improving the switch itself might not be so much the answer as to have something that supplements the switch. Like if they're going to have something um, that produces that 4K, 60 FPS on everything at home, then have it like that, but still be able to develop the technologies for within the Switch console itself to make it run quicker, look, make it nice and pretty on the in handheld. So running at 720 at um, at 60 FPS mm. or something like that, something to that degree, um, and having like the longer battery life as well. So it's it's going to be interesting. I'm I have a naysayer on the pro. I always have been. Um, I, if there is a pro, as I agree with you, with Drew, that that there can't be exclusive um, content to it. No. If they if they start producing exclusive content to the pro, they start splitting their audience. And those eighty six million that have already bought Switch or Switch Lights, yeah, not not many of them are going to upgrade to the pro. It's only going to be the hardcore people that go. Yeah, we're gonna you're gonna trade in our switch, get the switch pro, and go forward from there. I can only see maybe ten, not even ten percent of people doing that. Yeah. So it's it's going. What their next console is going to be is really difficult. Like what they've got now is pretty damn good. How do they improve? Yeah, it's with like the exclusive games. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a catch-22. Like, if they bring out new hardware which does actually push the envelope and give you a reason to get it and you do see big improvements of existing games and it is, you know, what you want it to be, um, like, a company like Activision might look at it and go, hey, we can actually bring, like, a, a legacy Call of Duty game to this system. Like, something that previously couldn't run, it could run on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, but now we can actually bring it to the Switch, but it won't run on the existing Switch. That's... um. That's the bit of the bit of the issue we might run into. Like, would you prefer just to not see these bigger games come to Switch ever, natively running on the system, or would you like to maybe have the opportunity to play them if you do have the latest technology? Yeah, it sort of makes things a bit bit difficult. You either mm. you you either have one or the other. You can't have both. Yeah, because so, Nintendo's in a safe place because they make games for their own hardware. They you know, say Mario Golf, it's very basic looking. It's very pretty. It's very bright. But as far as textures go and stuff to actually get it running, it's um, you know, it's not very taxing at all. But uh, other games made for other systems, you know, they have to got to scale it down a lot more, and it's a lot more difficult to get it running. So that's the only uh, issue that I, I can see with that. Like personally, Nintendo, that they, they should never make an exclusive game. I know, like Xenoblade Chronicles, that that was a different example. That was a port from a a console that obviously couldn't run on the existing 3DS with the amount of RAM and uh, capability that it had. So um, it's good that we saw it at all and people that did want to upgrade and they wanted to play it in handheld, that's 
that's good, I guess. But I, th- I think um, in other situations, if a, if a third party was doing it, it's a, it's a little bit, I don't know. don't really know. It's, a, it's, it's kind of a, a, tr- a tricky subject, but ideally I wouldn't like to see it. But in some cases, it's better having those games available at all rather than not at all. But also if I was Activision, I wouldn't want to be selling to just like 5 million people instead of the other 90 million, you know, <laughs> like you're missing like a lot of the appeal of the switch, which is the huge user base on there. No, I, I agree. Like it just, it's, it's definitely a, a difficult situation with third party developers. If you find that uh, if games are developed for the switch and then brought over to Xbox and PlayStation, you find that they sort of go quite well. Whereas if you try to go from Xbox and PlayStation to Switch, it it doesn't quite work. So, do does Nintendo want third party to develop for Switch and then port to the other consoles? I'm sure they would, but um, all the other third party developers at the moment looking at Xbox and PlayStation is like, oh, cool these these machines can run our games. Whereas I look at our little little friend over here on the Switch, and it's like, yeah, we want to, but we just can't, because because you you just don't quite have enough oomph to actually drive the, the games that we want to put on there. So I really don't know what they're gonna do um, in like two three years time. Like they're looking at the Switch as possibly a ten year life cycle, so they're gonna have to do something in the meantime you would think but this is nintendo we don't know <laughs> i i think they certainly will they want to sell us more systems and they will they'll come up with something else they'll put a sticker on it with luigi's head being hey look it's the month of luigi and we're selling luigi <laughs> switches oh sweet i like that. i like <laughs> luigi he's a good italian man he jumps higher than mario and he goes wow oh you can add it to your other 20 switches drew <laughs> i can i can add it to my other 20 Jeez, I wish I had 20. I could have bought 20 if I didn't get into freaking Pokemon cards. I would have had 20 of the bastards. I had nothing to do with that. <laughs> no, you didn't, Jamie. I can't blame you. I can blame Bryce a little bit, though. He said, oh, look at this, look at, look at this <laughs> set. Not, he, yeah, I'm like, oh. he's, not he, he's not here. You can do that. That's you? right. That's right. And he, he won't listen back to this either, so I can say what I want about him. So, Bryce, that one time when you were when – you no, I can't think of anything bad about Bryce. I was trying to – Stir up an old memory or something, but it's only good memories. Anyway, um, I know we're, <laughs> we're holding you up a, a bit long, guys. So we'll just a couple more questions and then we'll wrap up the show. So Metadox, um, he asked the best uh, moments from your Donkey Kong Country speedruns, Jamie. I think I've already gone through with that quite early in the episode. It was just having getting to that point where it's like, oh, I'm still hovering around the, the 210, the 210, and it's just like, yeah, I'll just put it down, come back later, and then I just completely smash it. Um, it's hard to sort of pinpoint points in the the actual run where it was really good because it was such a while ago now. It was like yeah, towards the end of last year. Um, that's why I sort of think, oh, maybe I should go back and do another one just to refresh myself. Um, but yeah, so getting that one, one hour 51 was pretty damn good. So yeah, just the, the end result, the road there yeah. wasn't, uh, wasn't what it was all about. Can't, can't, can't <laughs> remember the, can't remember it. Just, I remember the end result cause it's still saved on my, on the, on the, on the, on the screen. Yep. And, uh, last but not least, so Wacko Jacko, he asks about the, um, 
the pop off of um, Metroid Zero Mission and Metroid Fusion going to number one and two on the Nintendo uh, Wii U sh- uh, eShop, going to number one after the announcement of Metroid Dread at E3. And he says, with the significance of a game of the mainline series being announced, in uh, in turn, boosting purchases of previous titles of said series on older consoles. Um, so, so what else? What other system, oh, Sorry, what other games would you like to see sort of flourish in uh, in the same way where you know, Metroid? It's, it's pretty overlooked series as far as um, just like the mainstream. And with this announcement, a lot of people are really excited and they want to go back to other games in the in the series to get a bit of the gameplay, experience the story, or maybe even just replay it. Do you have any other sort of series that you'd like to see get this kind of treatment? Um, for me, it's like, it's not, it's not, it's not a Nintendo series, but um, Gravity Rush. I absolutely love Gravity Rush on the PlayStation. I loved um, Gravity Rush on the uh, PlayStation Vita. And when Gravity Rush 2 came out, I was really hoping that uh, that would be the moment that it latches on. It's on the PS4. Everyone can get it, but... As, a, as fantastic as the game was, it uh, didn't really get it. Didn't get that treatment, I don't feel like. And now that um, Japan's studio over at Sony is disbanded, I don't think we're ever going to see it again, which makes me a bit sad. So, I don't know. Do you guys have a franchise you'd like to see get its recognition from a bit of hype of a game being announced? Yeah, Resistance uh, on yeah. PlayStation. Maybe they announce a new Resistance um, or they do a Resistance remastered trilogy or something like that um and then that would be cool to revisit yeah i think especially now like insomniac being in like the real mainstream with spider-man uh and miles morales and now with ratchet and clank i feel like if they said hey we've got a new resistance game i feel like that would get like a lot more eyes on it compared to the playstation 3 where a lot of those games were sort of just like trickling out and with resistance 1 being a launch title for ps3 it really, you know, got overlooked a fair bit. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have one, Jamie? I'm just so happy to see Metroid finally getting the recognition that it deserves. Yeah, yeah Metroid seeing, is seeing, yours. <laughs> Yes, I, I absolutely love Metroid. And to see, yeah, everyone's trying to buy up Fusion and Zero Mission on the Wii, Wii U eShop. And to see people playing Samus Returns, like people, you couldn't, you could buy Samus Returns everywhere beforehand for cheap. And now suddenly everyone wants Samus Returns on 3DS and you can hardly find it anywhere. I'm very fortunate that a friend of mine had the copy, uh, I was able to borrow a copy of Samus Returns off and I finished that and 100% at 12 hours. It was a really fantastic um, remake of the original Game Boy game. But, to, yeah, to see people picking up Metroid again and, you know, experiencing it for the first time. I know um, Dread's going to have a recap at the start of the game, sort of refresh everyone on the series. But for people to actually go back and experience it, that's really awesome to see. And I hope the same thing happens for when Prime 4 eventually happens, oh. that they bring back <laughs> Metroid Prime Trilogy for Switch, onto the Switch. Like, yep. yes, it's on Wii U, but not a lot of people have a Wii U. So if they actually release the trilogy on Switch in before the release of Prime 4, it's going to have that very same effect. Yeah, absolutely. It'll, it'll be money left on the table if they don't bring the, the trilogy to the Switch. People want and it. Also, people really yeah. want it. So it'd be ridiculous if they don't. 
it doesn't make sense if they don't bring it because you know the the first the the original trilogy is GameCube, GameCube, Wii, and then they had the the trilogy itself on Wii, and you could get it on the Wii U virtual um, virtual console. So it's the Prime series is very much locked to its systems. So bringing Prime Four, which is a follow up to the original trilogy, to Switch, you would think that to bring people up to speed and to get more people to experience the lead up into prime four, they would have to bring trilogy to switch. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely, I'm not definitely sure. I was sure. I would have thought it would have came out a while ago, but with prime Mm, four, with prime four being so far away, I guess it makes sense not to blow that um, sort of opportunity to get people familiar with the series before they release a brand new game. But I'm really looking forward to Metroid Dread, man. It looks awesome. Like, oh, it looks amazing. Yeah, when they when they first shown up, like, yes, a you know brand new Metroid game. Yes, a brand new 2D Metroid game. Uh, just looking at it, I'm like, oh, it doesn't look like amazing. But like seeing a, a bit more clear gameplay and stuff, just like the animations and that look really great. Just like when you go up against the wall, like Samus will, will put a hand and like sort of bend down and like look through uh-huh. the gates and that. Like the animation mm. looks really on point for. Um, People went nuts, nuts for that when they saw it online. <laughs> they said, "Oh, they've got Samus has got her hand bracing up on the on the wall as she's firing through the gap." And then you could see one of the Mercury Steam developers tweet, and it's like they noticed and they were really excited. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, they would have worked so hard on that. Just those little details. I remember um, this was a big thing that uh, sort of got Uncharted on PlayStation noticed that you know Nathan Drake could be walking something and he'll brush his hand among it and it's just it's something like a little detail that adds so much character and personality to the to the the protagonist and the world around them but it's it's really sort of important and i think uh, and, doing that in a 2d setting is really cool yeah and i definitely think with metroid metroid dread because it's metroid 5 following up from fusion mm-hmm. fusion was quite a scary game like you you're under the constant threat of the sax chasing you throughout the the space station so with these emmys coming around to chase you in in the landscape that you are it's sort of it it puts that horror vibe into metroid which i think with the 2d metroids they really should push um push that horror aspect to make it stand out from other metroidvanias um because you got your hollow knight and um your axiom verge as sort of two metroidvanias i can think of off the top of my head where it's very exploration based uh metroid is also exploration based but if they push that horror aspect it forces you to make decisions on the fly as well as doing exploring so if they continue to flesh out the horror aspect of of it it's gonna really set it apart from other games yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I think that brings us to the end of the show, guys. That's all the questions uh, we got answered. I want to thank you guys for sticking around so long. Uh, having three people on the show, it uh, got us to almost three hours. So nice, <laughs> nice long show. <laughs> definitely appreciate uh, you guys' time. Uh, it's good talking to you, Jamie and Buddy, as always. Um, anything you'd like to touch on before we wrap it up? No, just... Uh Thank you for having having us tonight. Um, especially, I had the the time out of my um, 
out of my busy life to join the show. It's been great. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Agreed with that. Thanks. Thanks for having us on, Drew. And it was good to speak to you, Jamie, in this setting as well. Yeah. No, good to sit, speak with you, buddy. It's been a while. Yes. And um, I actually I actually did forget about this, but right now, um, it's actually the Sakurai presents Kazia. So he's actually he's actually <laughs> pronounced he's actually pronouncing the new character. And I'm actually just it just come up on my Twitter feed and I'm watching it live. I'm like, oh yeah. But uh, Bryce and I will dive into that uh, next week as he's a big Smash Brothers fan just like me. So we'll be checking this out, seeing what the new me costumes are. Maybe we will get uh, who do you reckon we'll get as a me costume? We will get someone cool. Get um, I don't know. I don't know at this point. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell you. It's it's hard to know what's in a Smash Ultimate anymore. It's just there's a lot of lot of stuff in there. Trying to make like a dumb prediction or something. I don't know. At this point, I'm just like, oh, that's cool. Add it to my game. I don't, I don't, yeah, I really I don't, actually don't mind who it is. You can add a uh, Ness's dad, which is just a which is just a telephone at this point. I'll I'll play as him. That'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you very much for listening to The House of Mario, episode 195. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, or you can check out patreon.com slash idruby um, to support the show that way. And you can follow myself at idruby. You can follow the show at The House of Mario. You can find Buddy at BuddyWatson12. And you can fi- follow Jamie at Jamie Penning. I can't quite remember yours, Jamie. What's your Twitter handle? It is at Jamie Penning. It is just so, Jamie yeah. Penning. I was wondering if there was a yeah. number or something behind there. Yeah, okay. Nice, nah, you got it. No, nah, so, yeah, nah. so, yep, Jamie Penning <laughs> with a H on the end because the H is silent and everyone forgets it. Penninger. <laughs> silent. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, something I've been doing the, the last few episodes, um, just uh, interesting. If anyone actually got to this point, let me know. Uh, and that is with the hashtag Bryce is a Lucy Goose and post it in the House of Mario Discord in the general chat. Just hashtag Bryce is a Lucy Goose. And that just lets me know that you got to this point of the show. I love it. <laughs> Excellent. All right, guys. Until next time, the House of Mario, or the doors to the House of Mario, are closed. I'll catch you later. Bye, everyone. See ya.